the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it's a Friday. Always a good day Friday is as we look at the weekend and looks like uh, rain this evening and then it'll clear out early, early in the morning tomorrow and then we're going to have kind of partly cloudy skies and uh, temperature will be in the low 60s. Sunday looks to be clear, a little bit chilly out. I think they're saying the high is just going to be in the upper uh, 50s it's crazy i mean i just i just had my uh, above ground pool that we had uh, and have been saving our our shekels for a long time and put together the funds to be able to put a new liner in it got that done got everything done the day that it was the day after it was done it was like uh, 86 degrees the uh grandkids got in it and had a good time playing around and since that time, <laughs> since that time we've ne- we haven't broke but 72 degree de- degrees once we've not been in the 80s we've just been in the 70s most of the time in the 60s and the upper 50s and that just tells you that you're going to be uh, chilly if you get in a pool so uh yesterday the uh, I just have ordered a, a brand new uh topper winter cover uh, for it and uh, the pillows you who have uh, pools know what i'm talking about these are inflatable pillows that you put on top of the water so that uh during the winter time when it rains the the, the rain doesn't just make big pools and fill up the to the, the cover um and then you get a bunch of you know water on the top it lays it up high enough pushes it up high enough that the water runs off uh, the top of the pool. And then there was this uh, uh, chemical ball that you leave in it, uh, you put in it, after, and then you cover it up and whatever, and it slowly releases uh, chemicals so that the algae doesn't get started again and things of that nature. So that when springtime comes up and you're ready to open up the pool again and start letting the uh, you know, old salt start warming up the water, and you get the uh, the uh, you know chemistry back to where it should be. It's not as hard to do then uh, because you've kept it pretty, you know, controlled. And and this year we try something different. I've always closed up the pool. Uh, Linda and I have closed up the pool by ourselves, but we've run into problems at times doing that. There's like a, we forget a step or something. So I've got. Uh, some people coming over from one of the pool companies and they're going to do the closing for us. And uh, that way we won't have to worry about maybe leaving water somewhere and I can have pipe and it freezes and cracks the pipe. And then I got to call Aero Plumbing and they come out and, you know, you know how it goes. It gets to be a hassle. With that all said, uh, let me hit. Last night I went out to the Cabot uh, VIP Cinema and went and saw the new Halloween movie. Now, I know there's a lot of you that are interested in how it did. 
Uh, the theater was pretty well sold out. It wasn't many seats uh, remaining. A lot of people have been wanting to see this movie, have been, you know, fired up about seeing the movie. I know I've been fired up about it. Halloween's one of my favorite um, Halloween-type movies. Uh, I think it's a great, you know, horror movie, fun to watch, um, has its, you know, those those great moments in it. Uh, this movie, if I had to rate all of the movies, the top three would be, the original would be number one, of course. You can never beat the original because the original is doing something for the very first time. You cannot beat that. Uh, before this movie came out, I would have said Halloween 2 was the second best, and then after that, everything didn't, you might as well not even seen them. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought, uh, oh, what's, uh, uh, Zombie, I thought he did an all right job, but um, not, I thought, I thought he would be good, as good as Carpenter, and he wasn't. But the, uh, this, uh, this new one, and by the way, the guy who directed it from uh, Arkansas, I didn't know if you knew that or not, and uh, he he helped write the script. We're going to have to try to get him on. I would think he'd like to talk to us from the folks in Arkansas to tell them how good we thought that he did on the motion picture. But uh, I would put it number two, right after Halloween. I mean, it it has the feel of Halloween, the writing is the way it was. It's like the first one, same kind of feel to it. The guy who played Michael in the first movie is back playing Michael again in most of the scenes. A few of them he's not. But, of course, Michael wears a mask, so it's hard to tell, you know, exactly who's under the mask. But this, the guy who did it originally just has a way of, doing some little things that lets you know it's him. I mean, the way he cocks his head and things of that nature. Yeah, you'll remember, remember in the original movie when um, P.J. Soul's boyfriend went downstairs to get a beer, and P.J. stayed upstairs in the bedroom. And he goes downstairs, and he's in the kitchen, and you know Michael is out and about doing the bad things, and uh, you know the you got the, the the scenes lit perfectly, and the guy looks, gets the beer out of the refrigerator, walks over, and turns around. And there's Michael comes out of the shadow, couldn't see him, comes out of the shadow, grabs the boyfriend by the neck, raises him off the ground. And proceeds to impale him to the wall with what looks to be about a, you know, a 13 or 14 inch butcher knife. They take that scene and and then Michael shows up uh, at the door of the bedroom. PJ Soul's on the bed and he's standing there. She doesn't know that it's Michael. Because Michael has got a sheet over him, and he has taken the glasses off of the kid that was her boyfriend and has put them on uh, 
over the sheet, and there's holes so he can look through. She thinks it's her boyfriend. Okay, so you've got this great scene, and you know that I love that scene, uh, Russ, because when we had PJ Soul on, we I tried to get her to reenact it. We've told that story a million times. I won't go into it. But they take that scene, they take those parts of that scene, the sheet, the knife, the impaling, and all of that, and they twist it around and give it a completely different meaning. And it's awesome. This was more, this is more than just a sequel. This is kind of a, a, a completely different retelling of the Myers mythology. I really, really like this movie. It was fun to watch. Had some great scenes in it. Uh, had some surprise right at the beginning almost. I mean, uh, I would say 15, 20 minutes into the uh, motion picture, there is a scene in the in the picture, and you say, I can't believe they went there. And they did, because typically in a horror movie, this would never happen, and it happened. And in fact, later on in the movie, you think it's going to happen again, and they, they throw you a curveball. It, it's, it's really well done, well-written, well-directed, well-lit. Cinematography is great. Jamie Lee Curtis acts way out there, way out there, and uh, is good. Uh, in this, and I got I, I need to go to IMDb real quickly here because I want to take a look at something because there's something to, to check out here. Um, let me get to IMDb and put it up here. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, the girl, the lady who plays Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter is Judy Greer, who is very good in in this picture. And I was saying, she's been in other motion pictures I've seen. Well, she's been in 130 motion pictures. She was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's the latest one. She played Maggie in that, move, in that movie. She was on the TV series Arrested Development. She was in the movie Driven. Um, what else was she in trying to see? There's another one that I was, that I thought she was, uh, I can't remember that she was in that thinking about, oh, she was in war for the planet of the apes as well. She's been in a lot of movies. She's always played as a co-star and she always brings something to the story. Uh, she brought something to this one for sure. Uh, as, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie Stroud's daughter. And uh, she was really, really, really good in this motion picture. Uh, the granddaughter is good as well. But uh, the shape, Michael Myers, Nick Castle is uh, plays the shape in it. You'll know 
its helm in the beginning because there's no coloration of his his hair. Michael is gray. It's been 40 years. Go see the movie. You'll enjoy it. And and it's one of those movies, in fact, today in the newspaper, uh, Piers Merchant and I uh, like this movie almost the same. I think he gave it an 88, and I told Zach I gave it a 92. I mean, there's a couple other things they might have done that could have made the movie just a tad bit better, but uh, it, it was small things, really small things. But, uh, you know, it's a good movie. You won't be wasting. I'm just telling you, you're not going to be wasting your money. See it inside a movie theater with a group of people. It's only been recently. uh, There's been a couple of movies I've seen that uh, the audience has been audible during the movies. You know, it used to be in the, you know, people are a little bit jaded about horror movies now just because uh, they've seen them so many times that, you know, it's kind of hard to shock them, hard to, you know, give you a jump scare because you're, you're sitting there and you know it's going to, it's coming, you know, you, you know you're being set up now. I mean, when I first saw Halloween, I can tell you the women in the theater would scream when you could see Michael Meyer in the background. You know, he'd appear in the background of a shot. And everybody would be going, oh, like that, knowing that he was there. He was prowling. He was hunting his prey. It was, uh, was good. Now, last night, I didn't get that as much. But when he attacked, scared the living bejeebies out of some people. This is a this is an aggressive Michael Myers. You know, in the original movie, five people die. I think five people die in the first ten minutes <laughs> of this movie. You know, Michael's on a on a vendetta, basically, and uh, you, you'll like it. Just go see if you like horror movies, if you like scary movies, if you want to see a, a movie that I really believe uh, I got the mythology right, got the acting right. You know, got the the theme right and and the feel to the movie right. This is the one to go see. This is not a letdown. This is a good one, and uh, you'll like it. If you're a pro gun nut, you're going to love it. Jamie Lee Curtis is very proficient in this movie with uh, with guns and knives. <laughs> She's really, and so is her daughter. And I don't think the granddaughter was yet because she hadn't been taught. But, yeah, it's a good movie. You'll like it. You'll like it a lot. All right, we'll take a break. When I come back, I'll tell you the seven things that Democrats are going to do if they win the House. I've got that for you here uh, on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. You're going to want to hear this. Matt is not here today. He is in Memphis. Guess, take a guess. It's It's close to Halloween. You know, we're a couple weeks away. He's hanging out with a rock and roller. Who do you think it is there, uh, uh, Russ? Alice Cooper. That's who he's hanging out with today. He's hanging out with the Coop. Lucky dog. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Farrier and, and Matt are hanging out. I don't know if they're going out and playing playing a little bit of golf or not. But anyway, uh, Alice is in, in Memphis. And if you've never seen Alice Cooper live, you need to go see him. 
He may be a, getting a little long in the tooth, but he still puts on one whale of a shell. Hey, I've been telling you for quite some time about this whole thing that uh, you can get the information you need on how to uh, get your Social Security. Now, I've been paying a lot of attention to this because, believe it or not, yours truly, Dave Ellswick, will start getting his Social Security uh, next um, February. I'll be uh, 66, and I'll be 100% vested. And I had to make up my mind of whether I wanted to take it at 66 or if I wanted to kind of hang out and wait until I turned 70 because um, I'm going to get a little over $2,200 uh Pre the, I think you're getting a two and a half percent raise top beginning of the year, so another two and a half percent on top of that uh, for my social security. But uh, if I waited until I was seventy, I'd get another thirty percent on top of that. But I started thinking that you know what, if I don't want to spend any of it, I can still put it in my four hundred one k and try to grow it that way, or you know, I, I can spend a little bit of it because, you know, no one knows when their day is going to be called. So there's a few things that I like to do with my wife that uh, we can save up a little few dollars and go do a few things, you know, extra, $2,200 extra a month help us do those things. So I'm going to go ahead and take it. And then I got to go take care of that. And I got to go talk to him about Medicare and all the rest of everything you got to do when you get to be an old fogey like me. Well, there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits, and there's 2,728 rules. And the government has told the Social Security Administration they are forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. So I'm going to suggest that you call this number, 501-653-6690. Be one of the first 10 callers right now. And you can get a 2018 guide to Social Security, and you can set up a time if you'd like to go talk to David Lucas and his his workers, and um, make sure you make the right choices and don't screw yourself in the process. That number again: five zero one six five three sixty six ninety, or just visit them on their uh, website, David Lucas. That's L U K A S Financial dot com. All right, time for the news. Let's catch up on it. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. I told you we look at the seven things you can expect the Democrats to do uh, if they win back the House. Now, there's an eighth thing that they'd like to do, but because they would also have to get the Senate behind it, I don't think they can get it done. Uh, And uh, that's a story that uh, broke today on uh, Drudge where uh, this is a story from uh, uh, NBC. Uh, Democrats want to repeal Trump's tax cuts and replace them with payouts for the poor. What what are we talking about here? Well, the midterm elections are two and a half weeks away. The 2020 presidential race is just around the corner. A lot of Democrats are embracing an ambitious idea. Repeal and replace the $1.5 trillion Republican tax plan. The proposals would get rid of the tax cuts, all right? What have tax cuts done? 
given us the lowest unemployment rate we've ever had since 1969, uh, has begun raising wages, middle class earnings are up, first time since the 70s, we can go on and on. They have done good things for this country. Of course, they, uh, the Democrats, are not wanting uh, to, to keep those tax cuts where they're at. They'd much rather take that money and just uh, hand it out and stall the economy. I mean, it's just it's crazy because they're socialists. Uh, the proposal would get rid of the tax cuts and, in turn, they would funnel that money into government-guaranteed cash for low- and middle-income households. Uh, Senator Kamala Harris of California announced a plan this week that would give working families up to $6,000 every year with the option of receiving monthly payments. Senator Sherrod Brown and uh, Congress, um, I don't know if this is a woman or a guy, Roe Kahana of California outlined a similar idea last year, a bill from uh, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey would allow family caregivers and students to receive the money as well. Quote, the idea was to provide a clear contrast with Donald Trump. You know, what you could actually do with this money. You could give anyone making under $75,000 a raise. The measures are significantly more dramatic than some previous Democratic proposals, a reflection of the proximity to the midterm elections and the early interest surrounding the presidential race in 2020. Harris and Brown are potential contenders for the White House, and Democrats have been seeking bold ideas. This is more than a bold idea to present to their energized electorate. Well, you know what you could actually do with this money? You could give anyone making under $75,000 a raise. There's all kinds of evidence that voters are not looking for incremental solutions, said Adam Adam Rubin, campaign director at the Economic Security Project. That's a liberal think tank, by the way, big surprise, that has pushed this idea. They're looking for a big vision of how to pick up all the people who have been left behind in this economy. One of the first things that you have got to do when you're talking about this and they say people left behind, who are the people who have been left behind? I mean, Did they get left behind because of bad decisions? Did they get left behind because they didn't go out and and get, um, you know, their uh, education? They didn't finish high school? They, you know, what's the reason why they're in the position they're at? Harris's plan would create a new tax credit of up to $3,000 for individuals or $6,000 for households. They could opt to receive the money in a lump sum after filing their annual tax return or in monthly installments of 250 to $500 a month, which Harris said could help reduce reliance on payday lenders. 
The credit would be refundable, which means workers would receive the money even if they don't owe any taxes. Households earning up to $100,000 would be eligible. The bill shares many of the same elements of an earlier bill from Brown and Kahana. Their proposal would expand the existing earned income tax credit up to roughly $12,000 for a family with three children. The money could also be paid monthly, but it would only cover households earning up to about $76,000. The lawmakers introduced the bill last fall with more than 50 co-sponsors in the House. No senator signed on to the measure at the time. Now, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you get this crazy stuff a lot of times over in the House. As, um, you know, they're running every two years, so they're out there, you know, trying to get everybody's attention and trying to get everybody's vote. We've seen the debate shift, said Gahana. My hope is that other presidential candidates will look at the Brown plan and embrace it as the alternative to Trump. Rubin said his organization has spoken with other potential Democratic candidates about the idea, but they declined to specify who. Earlier this year, Senate Democrats announced a more modest proposal to roll back the GOP tax cut, move the top tax rate for individuals back to 39%, raise the corporate tax rate 4 percentage points to 25 and reinstate the alternative minimum tax. Congressman John Delaney of Maryland, who has announced he is running in 2020, has called for nudging the corporate tax rate up to 23% to pay for $1 trillion in infrastructure spending. He told CNBC he also supports expanding the earned income tax credit, but didn't say by how much. The devil's always in the details. Quoting him, he said, we must reform our tax code in a way that is fiscally responsible, addresses our long-term economic competitiveness needs, and helps working families. Indeed, the new tax credits come with a hefty price tag. Brown and Gahanna's plan is expected to cost $1.4 trillion. Just about what the Republican tax plan costs. Harris's bill is likely to be in the same ballpark. That's why liberals say repealing the current law is a critical component of their plan. Yet Democrats have repeatedly attacked the GOP tax cuts for ballooning the deficit. And uh, while they argue that the new credits would support long-term economic growth, they are not claiming such a plan would pay for itself. And Republicans are preparing for battle. Heritage Foundation released an analysis this week showing repealing the tax cuts in 2020 would cost the average household nearly $27,000 in lost take-home pay over the next 10 years. Some of the decline is due to higher individual tax rates, as Adam Michael, you've heard Adam on this show, he's a policy analyst at Heritage, one of the authors of the report, but most of it is the result of lower economic growth because of higher corporate rates. That's where a lot of the juice comes from. That's the thing I'm frankly most concerned about. So we'll see if we can get Michael on next week and talk to him about this, but just know that the uh, Democrats are looking 
to give away money. And if you're sitting out there and you say, well, I, I can't wait to give me money, then you're part of the problem, just so you'll know. So what are the other seven, seven things? We'll get to them when we get back. We've got to get a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Reminds you that Holland Bottom Farms, man, like a plague of locusts, we have bought up all the produce that they have grown on their great farm out there. So no more produce to sell. They do have the pumpkins still, the decorative pumpkins and the regular pumpkins. Mums, corn stalks, cotton, straw for decorations for the holiday and fall time of our seasons. And just know that, um, you know, the folks over at Holland Bottom really do appreciate your business during this, this season. Uh, the last day that they'll be open is the 31st, Halloween. Or if they sell out of all their pumpkins and everything, they're not going to be open. All right, so just get. I would go now if you need a pumpkin or whatever and, and pick it up this weekend. No telling that they'll be open in, uh, by the 31st or not. They're out on Highway 321 in Cabot. Great place to go. That's Holland Bottom Farm. All right, back with you uh, tonight. Starting at uh, 5 o'clock, going until 8 o'clock, it's the 32nd Annual Fish and Fowl Dinner uh, for Brother Paul's Soup Kitchen. Uh, You can dine in for all-you-can-eat fish, chicken, rice, beans, fries, slaw, bread, pickles, onions, tea, and lemonade. Uh, It's uh, typically $15 a ticket for adults and uh, children over 12 uh, $6, under uh, 5 uh, no no charge. You can dine in or you have a pre-made takeout. I have got uh, four tickets in my hands right now. Now, you got to come and get these tickets before 5 o'clock. Our office is closed at 5. So if you'd like to go, uh, again, this would be, be absolutely free for you and three people, three friends, three family members, whatever. It's uh, $60. Uh, worth the tickets, and uh, I'll give them to the first caller at 823-0965, 823-0965, and uh, you can come up here to the station, pick them up, and go tonight between 5 and 8. It's good eating, I'm just telling you. I haven't been a couple last couple of years, but uh, it's always good eating uh, over at Brother Paul's Soup Kitchen. So I see somebody's calling in right now. Okay, so number one, whoever that is, they won themselves four tickets, Russ, four tickets to the 32nd Annual Fish and Fowl Dinner tonight, 5 to 8 over at Verizon. And keep listening. I'll do this again uh, in the first 15 minutes of the next hour. I'll get another four or maybe six tickets to give away. So as long as you can come get them by 5 o'clock, you can go eat for free on me and you get folks from Friendly Chapel. All right, seven things Democrats are going to do if they win back the House. They have a chance. I'd give them about a 50-50 chance now. I think that's about what it is. 50-50. It's all going to come down to turnout. First, investigate, investigate, investigate. Oh, Jerry Calloway has won four tickets to tonight's uh Fish and Fowl Dinner over at the Verizon Arena. 
Starts at 5 o'clock, goes to 8 p.m. Democrats have complained from the start that the Trump administration needs to be held more accountable. They will do that by investigating, investigating, and investigating. Number two, they are going to uh, come out and uh, look to get uh, Trump's tax returns. That's the number two thing that they will uh, go, uh, go after. Number three, one of the first bills, and Pelosi has said this, to hit the floor under Democratic control would be to seek to make it more difficult for people to purchase a gun. They're going to come after, at this point, by their own words, come after your Second second Amendment rights. Number four, Internet regulation. Trump kept true to his promise to decrease the amount of regulation stifling industry workers, which he made during his campaign. But the push for regulations will likely make a comeback under Democrats, like they did under President Obama, particularly in the area of the Internet. Ever since the U.S. intelligence community said Russians were able to influence the 2016 presidential election through social media sites such as Facebook and Twitter, Democrats have been looking for ways to impose tighter regulation on the sites. Number five, and we just spent time talking about this, taxes. Democrats are using the Republicans' $1.5 trillion tax cut as a campaign strategy, claiming the cuts only benefit corporations in the top 1%. Is that true? No. Why do we know? Unemployment. Historic low levels, not since 1969. Higher pay. Middle class. Got more money. More people can buy a home if they want to buy a home. Just uh, on and on and on. A House victory for Democrats in November's midterm elections would let them start pushing for a complete tax overall, including an increase in corporate tax rates, throwing a wet blanket over a roaring economy. Number six, drug prices. Democrats introduced a bill over the summer that would allow for Medicare to negotiate its prices directly with pharmaceutical companies, a sign of things to come if Democrats control the House. Trump previously pushed for direct negotiating power, which is usually associated with having Democratic support, but it hasn't been a priority for the GOP. Democrats would likely make it a priority in an effort to lower drug prices for consumers. Congressman Lloyd Doggett of Texas, Democrat, said that Democrats introduced the bill in July so it could be ready for Democrats to pass if they win back the House. You go in and start taking the profits from the pharmaceutical companies. Let's see how much uh, much, uh, uh, drug companies are out there developing new drugs. And then finally, immigration and border security. You know, the Democrats wouldn't know border security if it jumped up and bit them firmly in the butt. If Democrats take over, they'll look to ease federal immigration laws, and Democrats have admitted they want to make those changes. I mean, they've been yelling, let's get rid of ICE. 
Now, the president has threatened to end protections for immigrants brought to the country illegally as children. He was going to go along with that. He even offered it to Schumer. Schumer said, we're not, uh, we're not going to do it. We don't want anything to do with it. We want to use it as a campaign issue. So there's the seven things. Investigate, investigate, investigate. Guns, Trump's tax returns, internet regulation, taxes, drug prices, and immigration and border security. And uh, this is the liberals that are saying that this is what the the, uh, Democrats want to do. They're more and more to the left. They're more and more wanting to just give things away. I mean, I thought it was impossible to give more away, but not with the Democrats. You can give, just give away the whole house. I mean, as long as they stay in power, as long as they can sit in their ivory towers and this stuff not affect them, they'll be more than happy to uh, destroy this country piece by piece. All right, we got news coming up. Top of the hour, come back, talk a little bit more. I got some audio to play for you that I want you to hear. President Trump said something today in Montana that I really liked, and I want to play that for you. And uh, let's see. I also want you to hear what uh, Nikki Haley had to say at a charity dinner last night uh, dealing with uh, uh, Senator Warren. Really good stuff. Excellent stuff. You'll want to hear it. And uh, so uh, that's all coming your way. we got some other stuff coming your way as well. i got a piece... uh, that I didn't get to play yesterday about uh, Pelosi and what she said about people that get hurt uh, and are caught up in these mob uh, events. I mean, if you get hurt in one of those, it's just you're just collateral damage. Play that for you when we get back. Let's take a break. News is next right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Russ, have you uh, been watching... What's been going on with Mega Millions tonight? Did I saw a sign that they couldn't get enough numbers on the board? Well, it's tonight's jackpot. I know it's, it's one billion dollars. It's up to a billion. It is one billion dollars. If you take the cash value, it's five hundred sixty-five point six million dollars. Now, half that is what you would get after taxes. Just so you know. That's what you would get. So two hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Uh, I'll take it any day of the week. Yeah, you get uh, comes down what two fifty-six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're looking at you. Pardon me, five fifty-six. I said two fifty-six. Five fifty-six. Two hundred and seventy-eight million dollars tax-free. Holy cow! After after Uncle Sam gets his share, yeah, then that's where, yours. Where would they? Where would they? I've got to bite my tongue here. Where would they pour that out to? I want it all in pennies. Well, yeah, I'd love to take it up to the IRS in a bag in a truck full of pennies. That would do. That would make me smile oh, and make me extremely happy. Well, no, you see, you would just not ever see that money. You would only see. The electronic transfer of how much money, and you couldn't put that in big one giant account. Sucking sound in your bank account. Yeah, no, yeah, but it'd be a big, 
you know, big wind coming through your banking account as it dropped all that money in your banking account. I, you know, I've thought about that. That's why they tell you to have a financial attorney and everything present when you get that money. So you know what to do with it. I mean, I, they, the federal reserve or it's not FDIC are the only people that will, you know, protect X amount of dollars of the money you have in the bank. Uh, so well, that's why you have to go and deposit only what the FDIC that's will right. insure into so that how bank. Many, so how many banks would you have to put money into? Think about that for a moment. Uh, you'd have to you'd have to do the math on the FDIC. What FDIC yeah. will insure per institution? I agree. It's like two. They they only like in, they they only protect like what. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars or something. It's. I not, thought it was like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. I no, mean, so think you, about you, that. you do the math. We're talking like twenty five hundred banks or something. Yeah. <laughs> do they all have to give you a little passbook? I don't know. <laughs> I remember when they used to give you that? So when you went to put your money in, you wrote it down in the little book. So you knew what exactly. What, what, what's the point of a passbook at that point? <laughs> Now, when you have computers, you don't need one, but I'm just saying, it would be crazy, absolutely crazy, and I would immediately change my phone number, just saying. I don't know who you are. Yeah. Never seen you before in my life. Now, here in Little in Arkansas, not Little Rock, but in, here in Arkansas, do you have to let them say that you won the money? Some states, they have the right to use you as you know, an advertisement. Others, others, they don't. So they I dangle I, you out there like a carrot for the world to see. Yeah, who, unless of course you're R.J. Hawk, and then you just get paid to go and sit in front of the camera. <laughs> go, Yay! I've won a thousand dollars three times. Yeah. What would you? I mean, think about that. I mean, how much? How would you want everybody to know that you just won a quarter of a billion dollars? I don't think I'd want a lot of people to know that. I mean, it's going to get out. There's no way you can keep it from getting out. But a quarter, a quarter of a billion dollars down the street. Think about that. A quarter of a billion dollars. If it's just one winner, they say the tickets are selling like crazy, but they're not. They're not uh, doing on the news what they normally do. When it get would get up high, they have somebody out at a you know convenience store or something showing all the people standing in line buying their tickets i haven't seen that kind of frenzy going on right now have you i hadn't seen anybody doing it you know maybe we need to get the get the comrex out and go for a drive here. yeah maybe so go out and do a show Zach's just right over here and get him on the board let him talk to us i will send zach out to talk to some people just bring him on put him on put him on with me well, i was gonna say I'll, you I'll, put the headset on and i'll send you out yeah Start. I'll be. I'll be Steve Allen for a while. For you who are, uh, um, man I don't on know, the street, under sixty years old, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's it's quite a thing. It's it, it would be. It is a, a fun thing to do. Just to dream about what you would do with a quarter of a billion uh, dollars. I know that Rick Bazet loves this when I say it, but it's the truth. Immediately, ten percent goes to my church. Oh, be some money there. Be some money. They That's what do, happened with my paycheck this morning. Some, yeah, 
I've already gave my 10% for my paycheck today. That always goes. All right, uh, 8230965, phone lines open. People are saying weird things. It's getting close to the election. Nikki Haley was out at a charity dinner last night, and she gave a zinger. I mean, this this is a good one. Whoever wrote this for did a great job. I'm just telling you, this is this is really, really good. I like it a lot. I'm looking over. Uh, Russ is on the phone. Somebody's calling in. I don't know if they're looking to to win some tickets that I'm going to give away here in a moment, but you can't call now. Gonna have to be uh, gonna have to wait till I tell you to call in to win. But uh, anyway, Nikki Haley, who still is of course the ambassador to the UN, but will give that gig up here in a short period of time. We'll find out who's going to take her place in the near future. But with that, uh, with that said, so I've got this cut. This cut number three, Russ, uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, really threw out a zinger at a charity dinner last night. Here's what she had to say. It's about this speech. They all said the same thing. Do not, under any circumstances, make any jokes about the president. <laughs> so good night, everybody. <laughs> the president called me this morning and gave me some really good advice. He said, if I get stuck for laughs, just brag about his accomplishments. <laughs> it really killed at the UN, I gotta tell you. There are a number of my Washington friends I was hoping would be here, but they just couldn't make it. Cory Booker was here, but he walked out. <laughs> Jeff Sessions wanted to be here, but he recused himself. Jeff Flake was gonna be here, but he wanted to give the FBI a week to look into it. <laughs> There was a fake story that I'm actually thinking about running for president. That is so ridiculous. It is way too early for anyone to be thinking about running for president, unless you're a Senate Democrat during the Kavanaugh hearings. <laughs> Last year, you went with Paul Ryan, who's a Boy Scout, and that's fine, but a little boring. <laughs> so this year, you wanted to spice things up again, right? I get it. You wanted an Indian woman? But Elizabeth Warren failed her DNA test. <laughs> oh wow, she had she had a good good time rider, there. huh? Good rider. That's some good stuff there. She hit both sides of the aisle too. Yeah, good yes, stuff. she did. All right. Good. Thank good, you good and guy. good night. Yeah. <laughs> Dropped the mic. Boom. That was good. It was good. Some good stuff. Now Trump, you know, he doesn't like to be, you know outdone he's in montana today and uh, he was speaking up there and i got him as cut number one today on something that he said about uh, the republicans and the democrats democrats produce mobs republicans produce jobs you <laughs> 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 uh, like that it's a fun friday man we we got some great lines today. I love that. So Nikki Haley, I got to give her credit because she had about seven, seven there. She was hitting them out of the ballpark. Somebody was just sitting there and put them on, putting the baseball on a batting tee. <laughs> she was hitting them out of the ballpark. Swing and at this one as hard as you can. That's it. Yeah, Trump was good. Democrats produced mobs. Republicans produced jobs. Ain't that the case? Definitely is uh, the case. And then uh, Pelosi trying to be herself, which is 
stick your foot in your mouth as often as you possibly can. Did a pretty good job of it yesterday uh, talking about this mob mentality the right has and how people kind of that have nothing to do with whatever the event is gets caught up in it. And here's what she had to say about that. We have to have total clarity about what we do when it comes to everything. A woman's right to choose. Well, we didn't pass a marriage equality. That was in the courts. But hopefully that will be protected. But we passed other LGBTQ legislation, whether whether it's about immigration, whether it's about gun safety, whether it's about climate. We didn't even talk about climate. Uh, I was talking to Ed Markey when I was coming over here talking about wanting to establish, again, a select committee on climate and, and with the storms and the rest increased interest in it. And he said, remember that what we said was we wanted to uh, pass an overwhelming number of jobs in order to protect all of our, our society. I mean, this is, this is about prosperity as you're former mentor Look around won you, the Pelosi. Nobel Prize showing the relationship between environment and prosperity. For people who don't know, Bill Nordhaus, who, sh- who shared the Nobel Prize and won it for his work on climate economics, uh, was my original uh, mentor. I, I worked, I was his research assistant when I was a junior in college. So anyway, so yeah. He mentored well, didn't he? <laughs> anyway. your, your, your mentor mentored well. But, um, so this is... Um, So anyway, I think that that we owe the American people to be there for them, for for their financial security, respecting the dignity and worth of every person in our country. And if there's some um, collateral damage for some others who do not share our view, well, so be it. But it shouldn't be our original purpose. Wow. Did you catch that? At the end there, Russ, if there's a collateral damage for the people who don't share our ideas, so be it. That's kind of what Hillary said, uh, like last week. You know? That's freaking scary, dude. I know. I know. Is she, I mean, Pelosi's a scary lady anyway. She's just a nut job. But uh, yeah, that just I I heard that and I just shook I just shook my head, especially when she starts saying we want to bring back prosperity. What have you been seeing going on lately, lady? Have you been paying any attention? Unemployment head buried in the sand. Yeah, well, it's all politics to Shame them. Shame ISIS is not around. That's all it is. Is this politics to those people? I probably shouldn't have said it. that. What's that? Nothing. Okay, I, that's the way I let you get out of it. All Thank right. you. Let's let's take a break. We got more to talk about. Uh, hey, um, Michelle Malkin brought up something today that is true. I I don't know when we showed the Gosnell movie. If you went to see it, if you've gone in the last uh, couple of weekends to see it, it's well, doing. She's been doing, on the she's been on the spots for these for the movie. Yeah, she's been doing uh, the movie is doing well. It's in the top ten. In the United States, it's very it's doing well at the theaters, but uh, the media hasn't been talking about it. The, uh, the 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 Hollywood folks aren't talking about it. In fact, they wouldn't even act in it, uh, but just for a few of them. And uh, but it's doing well. But and it's because they they don't want to shed the light on the negativity of 
just killing innocent human life. So we'll we'll come back and hear what Michelle Malkin has to say about that. I got six more tickets. These are my last six tickets for the 32nd annual Fish and Fowl Dinner. It's tonight from 5 to 8. You got to be able to come to the station here at Park Plaza Tower next to uh, uh, the uh, Catholic Boys High School and Father Tribu uh, and uh, pick these tickets up before 5 o'clock. So you got 45 minutes. I think you can do it. Uh, if you want these tickets, these six, six, that's a big family I'm sending here, Russ, that you can go and you'll be able to pig out on fish, chicken, rice, beans, fries, slaw, bread, pickles, onions, and drink tea or lemonade. Uh, norm- normally it's uh, $15 a ticket. I got six of them here. I'll give to you free. Be the first caller, 823-0965. They're yours, 823-0965. All right, still got those tickets. Six tickets to the 36, uh, 32nd annual Fish and Fowl Dinner tonight, 5 to 8 p.m. over at Verizon. All you got to do is show up here uh, by 5 o'clock. I mean, you got over an hour to do that. So uh, stop by and pick up the tickets and uh, take your family uh, out to dinner tonight. But uh, $15 a piece, six tickets, 90 bucks. That's a pretty good takeaway just for making the call. 823-0965. And by the way, I want to thank the folks from Friendly Chapel. They're the ones that give me the tickets. And uh, then I we, we forgot to give them away earlier this week, and I... Uh, apologize to you out there as well but uh, if you can you want to take a look and and see um you know if you'd like to come all right 90 bucks six people get six people in and again on the menu dine in for all you can eat fish chicken rice beans fries slaw bread pickles onions and then uh, the drinks there are tea and lemonade Eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. First caller gets six tickets to go. All you got to do is get up here and pick them up, and uh, you can enjoy dinner on us in the friendly chapel uh, tonight over at the uh, Verizon. And and if you're watching on Facebook, you can call. I mean, if you're in this, oh, we got a caller calling in now. Let's see if it's a. If we got to win, we got another caller coming. We got plenty of people calling now. We want to get in, and yep, we got a winner. I just heard Russ say you are a winner. So uh, send some people out to dinner tonight. They're going to have a good time. It's a lot of fun over there. Meet a lot of nice people over there, and and that's the way you you go about helping your fellow man. Okay, you 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 go pay to go things like this. You go over and and check it out. That's a good way of doing it. It's a good way of doing it. All right. Is How long is that? Go ahead. All right. Dave Dimbrowski was our winner of the ticket. So he won himself six tickets. Hey, if that person, is that person calling in for tickets? They calling in for tickets, Russ? They want tickets? I got, I got four for them. Oh, never mind. Okay. All right. Anyway, you got to, let's. Do we have time to play Michelle Malkin? We don't. Okay, can't get to it. 
Oh, you know, you got somebody. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, guy, um, I hope you've not addressed this this afternoon. I don't even know what your topic is. I just jumped in the truck. Okay. Um, buddy of mine just showed me a Facebook post where something has changed on the concealed carry law. Do you know anything about that? And yeah. I'll up and you can address it. Okay. Yeah, yesterday, a higher court said we're a constitutional carry state. Should be settled law now. You don't need a license. All right, back on the uh, Dave Ellswick show, and I got a chance to sit down and talk to uh, Kimberly Thomas. She's a, a grandmother. She has a six-year-old grandson who had all kinds of learning uh, disabilities, and uh, she did a lot of studying and then her chiropractor about these problems, and uh, her chiropractor gave her a book and said, you need to check this out. And uh, she read the book, and uh, it talked about brain balance in it. And so she started looking for brain balance, and the nearest she could find until she found brain balance here in Little Rock was in Atlanta, Georgia. So she was all excited. She lives in Batesville, well, really more towards Jonesboro than Batesville, but up in that area. And uh, she talked to me about uh, brain balance and, and how well uh, it's, it's worked for her. Quite extensively about brain balance and how it helps children, how a lot of parents and grandparents have been ready to throw in the towel and they came across brain balance and saw massive and almost miraculous changes for their children. And uh, I was talking to Annie and we decided the best way to uh, maybe communicate wasn't just us talking about it, but having someone who had a child that was involved in the program and it was successful for them to let those parents, those grandparents talk about it so that you could hear firsthand encounters with with brain balance. With that in mind, I got Kimberly uh, Thomas with us. She's a grandparent of Gage, who is a six-year-old. And uh, we were just talking a moment ago, and you said that your chiropractor uh, gave you the initial information uh, that you found about brain balance. Is that true? That's correct. Um, excuse me, Dr. Edward Virgil. He's with um, Batesville Spine and Health Solutions in Batesville, Arkansas. And um, he handed me Reconnected Kids, which is a book by Dr. Malello. And um, that set me on the path, excuse me, to find brain balance. <clears throat> and um, to find Annie and the crew there in Little Rock, and it has been a life changer for us. Yeah, and you were saying that, you know, that's two hours away from you. If you're up in Batesville, you're north of me. I live in Cabot, so you're quite a ways away even from Cabot. Uh, so you drove down uh, to get the treatment uh, with uh, brain balance here in Little Rock, but some of the other places were like as far away as Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, some of the things that we had initially looked into and investigated were were as far away as Atlanta or out uh, in Utah, and so it was just definitely a godsend. And we actually live over toward the Jonesboro community. Um, I own a business in Batesville and commute back and forth there also. So, um, but yeah, it's a two-hour run three times a week. All right, so let's talk about this. Give us a little background on Gage. He's six years old. How long has he been in the program? And what were some of the problems that he was facing? 
Gage started the program in March of this year, and we were seeing issues with Gage probably around the age of three. And just, uh, you know, you, you start out, you think, oh, he's just headstrong like his mother. Uh, or, you know, you, you kind of brush things off. But just we were seeing a lot of defiance and impulsivity, a lot of aggression, um, some uh, physical outburst against uh, his mother or myself and, and other people, just no self-regulating. He didn't, he didn't want to be hugged or touched much. He was real kind of sensitive to that. You'd try to rub his back and he'd push you away and just... Um, things that were were bothersome and you're thinking this isn't quite right this this child is wired just a little differently and and that's the key to understand that these children are wired their brain is just hardwired different it's not hitting on all cylinders so to speak okay so you decided something needed to be done i'm i'm going to assume that the mother and you we're both at your wit's end with Gage. Oh, me, mama, daddy, grandpa, <laughs> teachers at school. I mean, here was a child in when he started kindergarten, and a few weeks in, you're thinking they're going to kick him out because he can't keep his hands to himself. He's, you know, poking and prodding other kids, and just, you know, he's getting sent to the principal's office, and you're like, this is kindergarten. Where This is too early mm-hmm. for this kind of trouble, so... So you were you were really concerned. Were you just kind of having a a a, co- a casual conversation with your chiropractor about Gage? Um, they have seen Gage in that office um, before. He comes with me sometimes, and they see the energy that's there. Uh, and I absolutely love love my chiropractor and the whole team there. And so, yeah, we were talking, and and Doctor Edward was like, "Look, I'm going to get you this book." And he said, it's the second of a set. He said, but I can't find the first one. Start with this one while I look for the other one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even need the first, you know, I didn't need uh, disconnected kids. I read Reconnected, and that set me on the path to Annie. And, of course, I later picked up, <clears throat> excuse me, Disconnected and read it also and have both of those in our home library. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it was pretty amazing. I can't thank him enough. So. so- so as you were reading that book, what were some of the things that you were coming across in it? And you're going, wow, this is hitting the nail right on the head with Gage. Oh, right. Just the, just some of the behaviors these parents were, you know, in the book, they were talking about the same, the defiance, the impulsivity, the aggression. And then uh, Dr. Malello saying, you know, if you'll follow this program, here's some tips and tools and and the books themselves are very informative, but then to just be able to come to Little Rock and meet Annie and get those assessments and get Gage on that path of healing, uh, and it's no small endeavor um, doing that. I mean, it's it's not, they can't do it all in-house. There's a lot of homework that has to be done, a lot of commitment from the family for the child's benefit, but also worth it, also worth it. All right, so uh, you called Brain Balance, you talked mm-hmm. to them, you set up a meeting, an initial meeting. Tell us a little bit about the initial meeting. What happened? Well, when we first arrived, my daughter and I went, and we met with Miss Annie and talked about how the program works. And um, and then, of course, you come back, and with the child, we brought Gage, and they go through all the testing. And it's I want to think it's about a two-hour process. 
uh, if memory serves me correct, uh, where they kind of take your child back and they go through these cognitive tests and and um, exercises and different things and just try to figure out where your child is. Is your ch- is your child left brain or right brain weak? And they explain to you what that means. And when you realize Gage is right brain weak, and so that made a lot of sense with the impulsivity and and the outburst and the defiance and the aggression. And you're like, he's not processing all the information he's getting. And so it just made sense. Like, he's not trying to be, uh, he's not trying to be difficult. He's just not processing everything you're giving him. And so he's frustrated. And that frustration comes out in these ways. And, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that that's all right. I mean, it's, it's something that a lot of uh, parents uh, don't understand about the whole process. They think that the child isn't just acting out. They think that they're uh, they're being bad, you know. They, they think they are choosing to be this way, and that's yes. not the case. Well, they, you feel like the, you're like, why do you want to do that? And then you take it so extremely personal as a parent or a grandparent we take these things personally and then mm-hmm. we begin to think, what am I doing wrong and why are you so angry with me? And once you realize it's not personal, it's the child is not coming at you on a personal level, they're just trying to get through life every day and it's a struggle for them. Yeah, Annie and I have talked about this uh, on the air and that is that uh, if you think you have it tough, think about where the child is is at because they're exactly. trying to deal with something they don't understand at all. They just know Correct. that things aren't right. Yes, this is, you know, they Gage often looks at us like, why are you so mad right now? Mm-hmm. You know, just with utter shock, he would just stop and look at you like, why are you yelling at me now? What has happened? Because the children will push you. I know Gage did. You'll find yourself, you get pushed and pushed and you're tired and you're frustrated and you're like, oh my gosh. And suddenly you're engaged in behavior that you don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, you find yourself standing toe to toe with this small person yelling. And you're like, okay, this isn't who we are. This isn't how we function. How did we get to this point? And it's just so heartbreaking on, I'm sorry, on so many levels because. Everybody is struggling. Everybody is suffering. And you don't, you've tried everything. You're like, people say, oh, well, you just need to spank them, or you just need to put them in timeout, mm-hmm. or you just need those things don't work with these children at that point. Yeah. I mean, um, they just don't. And I mean, you could, you could spank Gage and he would just stand there and look at you like, okay, what's next? I mean, he has threatened physical harm to me in a fit of rage and you're like oh i don't know this little person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and since brain balance we don't have that anymore all right well we're going to take a break we got to pay some bills here and then when we come back kimberly thomas is our guest she's the grandmother of gage a six-year-old who has been uh, in the program for brain balance and it's worked we'll tell you how it worked when we come back Right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. If you just joined us, uh, we're talking to uh, Kimberly Thomas. She's the grandmother of Gage, a six-year-old, and uh, she has Gage in brain balance. I talk about brain balance a lot here on uh, 
my show. I talk about the program. My daughter went through a program like this, and it really helped her. And I wanted to talk to Kimberly because this really helped Gage. Let me just ask, as we're sitting here talking, and uh, ask you, the listener, to think for a moment. Do you have problems with your child? Um, they seem to act out. They, they seem to have problems uh, zeroing in on things. They, they have trouble focusing. They, uh, they get mad and frustrated. Uh, if you do, they may need some additional training uh, that brain balance can do. And, Kimberly, you realized there was something more to this than uh, what people uh, probably knew about. Uh, you said that, you know, people would tell you, put the child in timeout, spank the child. That wasn't doing any good. You needed something different. You were given a book that was uh, important to you. It talked about brain balance. You found out there was brain balance here in Little Rock. You came down, you saw Annie, and you got into the program. How did Gage respond when he first got into the program? Um, initially, and, and still yet, he enjoys the program itself. He doesn't enjoy the two-hour travel time. Uh, that's a little stressful for him, although now that we're just four visits away from being done, he's kind of uh, uh, getting into the routine, so to speak. But, um, you know, we came in. The staff is absolutely awesome, um, and he just fell right in with them and was eager. Gage is kind of a pleaser, which is interesting because you talk about all this poor behavior, and then on the flip side, you have a child that's a pleaser. Uh, And so always wanting to do for you. Um, But, you know, they did some of the initial testing and then set uh, Lindsay, who's my daughter, Gage's mother, sat us down and showed us uh, his results. And one thing that stuck out to me was his visual um, patterns and how he would read and and, of course, just being in kindergarten, and at the time, they're just starting to read. And he would start a, a line and go back and start and go back and start and go back. So he wasn't processing. He, you would, They showed him kind of some information on a page, and he would only, out of 100% of the information on the page, be seeing maybe half of it and processing about 5% of it. Wow. And so you realize there's no way this child's going to function academically because he can see the paper, he just can't process everything that's on it. So it's frustrating. And I think most everything he was encountering, emotions and everything else, was the same way. So we started the program, again, three times a week. We traveled two hours one way. So you have to pack snacks and things like that and things to do. And, of course, screen time is something they, they want you to highly limit. And so we would pack a little tote of toys and crayons and Legos and for him to work on. Um, and something about him that I realized that has changed across from March to now is I would pick him up from school and I would say, how was your day, buddy? Mm-hmm. And I'd get a shrug of the shoulders. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Right. Okay. And we might ride in silence for half an hour. Now I pick him up. I'm like, hey, buddy, how was your day? Well, so-and-so on the playground and blah, blah, blah. And you get this big, long, detailed story. And the child talks nonstop now. (laughs) Right. The time you pick him up till the time you pull up to brain balance um, and all the way home. And he tells these delightful stories, some of which we know are totally not true. But it's a blast because you get to interact with him now. Um, But in the beginning, 
we would leave brain balance from that hour session of those exercises and things that they go through with them. Some of them are, are there's like a half hour of physical things that they do, and then there's a half hour of of computer and reading and things that, that they're working on. And they're, for Gage being right brain weak, they're focusing to make that right side rewire and reconnect with that left side and kind of catch up. And, mm-hmm. and um, so he would be very fatigued sometimes and we would leave and he might be very irritable or cranky. And there were many toys that didn't make the trip home because they would get disassembled mm-hmm. in that frustration. Right. And sometimes he'd just pass out and sleep because he was exhausted. Um, and something else that's really important um, that people forget is when your child's working through the Brain Balance Program, you'll see this improvement, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so great, and look. And then all of a sudden, it's like you flipped a switch, and you're back to step one. Right. And you're like, what is that? What has happened? And they hit this they're constantly challenging your child and challenging that brain to grow and rewire. And when Gage would kind of hit a plateau of what they call leveling up, they want them to get to this next level and he would get hung and he would hang out there and kind of be bumping against this wall and you would see that behavior regress. And then when that connection would be made, you would see that good behavior come right back. And this might last a day or two or a week. But when you saw that behavior come back to that positive level, that's when one of the team members would say, look, he just leveled up. Maybe he leveled up not one level, but two or three. And so you realize that brain was fatigued and tired and he was tired and he was fighting to get to this new place. And once he did, it was like, bingo, here we go. Um, And so we have seen him be able to now self-regulate which is something he could not do before. He, he gets, he would get frustrated with something and just lash out, and and now you'll see him stop and kind of pull back. Mm-hmm. And he may tell you, I don't want to talk anymore. And it's very important as adults and parents, we give each other that respect. When we're talking from one adult to another and you say, I really don't want to talk about this anymore, it upsets me, we give each other that space. We've got to do that for our children. When your child looks at you and says, I can't talk about this anymore, or I don't want to talk about it anymore, they're not necessarily being disrespectful or rude to you. They're telling you, I can't process any more information. Give me a minute. And when you respect that line and give them that with Gage, he might go off uh, in the playroom here at our home and shut the door. Right. He might be in there five minutes. He might be in there 15 but when he comes out, he's fine. He's ready to re-engage with you and talk to you. But if you push, if you follow, 100% of the time you're going to fight because you didn't respect that boundary. Mm. And so that's something. And it's at my age, at 51, you know, I think, oh, if I could have been this wise when his mother was little, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just giving kids this this space. But... Self-regulation, empathy, he now has. He, it was something he didn't have in March. I mean, just in this short time frame. Um, details, that, like I said, the storytelling and, and unsolicited uh, affection from him. You know, used to, if you try to give him a hug, you'd get this little sideways thing or whatever. And now he'll come to me and give me a hug. Oh, very good. Okay, so 
Do me a favor. We're down to two minutes remaining oh, no. here for us. You tell me, if you would, uh, how this has changed your, your family dynamics. Oh, my goodness. When, when you have a child, and in our case, a grandchild, and you love so dearly, but you're like, oh, I can't even think about having that child stay over with me tonight because mm-hmm. it exhausts me and I can't do it. It's heartbreaking. That's not where you want to be, but that's where we were. It was my daughter would call and she's like, so do you want to keep gauge tonight? I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Just in brutal honesty. And now it's like, yes, because everything has changed. And he still has his antics for a six-year-old boy. He still gets up to a little bit of no good, you know, <laughs> like they all do. But it's so different. And we can get together at family functions. And he's not, you know, he's a joy to be around now. Fantastic. And other, the other grandparents, when we've gotten together for his little sister's birthday at another grandparent's home, they make comments of how different. And I know we're running out of time, but something that's been really great is the support base that Brain Balance offers, mm-hmm. the 360 family, the Facebook family, the dietitian, because diet's a huge part, and a lot of folks struggle with that. My daughter has struggled with it, but they make everything so easy for you. They've pre-done things for you. It's just, I could talk for another half hour, Dave, I really could, because I believe in this program so wholeheartedly. It has changed our lives. All right. That was uh, our talk with Kimberly Thomas and how life has changed with Gage, their six-year-old grandson. It could happen for you as well with your children if you're having a lot of the problems that she talked about. Know that Brain Balance is having an open house Thursday, October 25th. From 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's an open house Thursday, October 25th, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. You should stop by and check it out. Geek Squad up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Last two hours of the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, Dr. Tim Lim is here. He's one member of the Geek Squad. There's three others that are missing in action right now, but I'm sure that they'll they'll join us before the uh, show is over. Yes, Russ. Uh, Shane said he'd be in between 4.30 and 5. Okay, so he's running a little bit behind. Josh is on his way. Mitch said that he could only make today. He wouldn't be able to make the 26th. So that's what uh, Dr. Lim said, too. So I said, okay, let's do it on the 19th. So everybody's here. By the way, let's start off because I I talked about this the first hour. So I might as well talk about start off this. I went and saw Halloween last night. Is it already out? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was coming out next week. No, it opened last night. Oh, my goodness. Dude, awesome. Well, I think Mark and I were probably going to see it tonight then. I went and saw it, and I thought it was really, really, really good. Highest recommendation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I I give it an A. I don't give it 100%, but I give it about a 92%. Oh, wow. For a Dave Ellswick rating, that's really high. And especially for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what. To me, that's one of the seminal horror movies ever. I mean, a lot of people like uh, Jason. A lot of people like Freddy. I like Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. Michael Myers is, is just a killer that kills because he wants to kill. And I, I and and I, I like the way Carpenter devised it. I like the mask that they came up with. I love the music is even back this time because Carpenter's involved with it. It's really good. It was almost sold out last night when I saw it. 
Mark Pellegrini, my co-writer, he was on a live stream earlier this week with one of our previous guests, Professor Geek, and they did a stream on The Boogeyman. And one of the things that they discussed was how Michael Myers, as far as cinema is concerned, you could consider him one of the first modern-day boogeymen of cinema. One of the things about boogeymen is they don't oftentimes have origins. They're just there. And one thing that's always been creepy about Michael Myers was he was just a rotten egg. No explanation as to why. Just a kid that wasn't right in the head. Exactly. And I liked how they did this one. I mean, uh, they picked it up. 40 years later, I mean, for people who don't know, today, 40 years ago, the original Halloween opened up at the theaters. Wow. All right, so here we are 40 years later in the movie, and uh, we're back with Michael Myers again. And it ignores anything past the first Halloween movie. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they ignored the second movie. Because it's a direct sequel. Yeah, Yeah. and and the second one, pretty damn good, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I like the second one almost as much as i like the first one but this movie here i put it between the first one and the second one all right we're probably gonna that's good we'll probably go see it tonight then yeah and it's it's great seeing it with a crowd Mm -hmm. this is not a movie to wait to see it on dvd sitting at your house and uh you know and watching it you'll get a little creeped out because you'll wonder you know when the wood boards creak or something you know what's going on but i just got to tell you it's um the crowd last night was good. There were people actually go, oh, you where'd, know. Where'd you watch it? I watched it at the, the the Cabot Cinema. Okay. I went to the VIP Cinema there, and the crowd was into it. Nice. They were into it. And I think it was they were Halloween fans. Everybody showed up. When I went in to see it, I sat down next to my wife, and I leaned over, and I said, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there's, there's that. <laughs> that that feeling that, you know, they're going to screw it up somehow. I'm going to tell you what, the guy, Green, this guy that directed it, helped write it. From I guess he's from right in here in central Arkansas. He's from our area. Man, he did it out of the ballpark. It's re- they, they took the original movie and twisted it. Okay. They twisted it. As you get into the last 40 minutes of the movie and you and, – you know you're you're working you're working your way towards the climax. I got to tell you, they took some seminal moments from the first movie, brought them back up, and gave them a completely different meaning. Okay, <laughs> it's, I thought it was good. I, I I just thought it was really really good. And you still he he still gives you that creepy feeling. Mm-hmm. Michael does. Now, they got the original guy that played Michael in this movie, and then they got another guy who played him as well, doing a lot of the hand stuff. Does he get, let me he tell you what, that hands. guy's got really mean hands looking. But, uh, yeah, the guy who uh, originally played Michael Meyer in Halloween, the original, uh, was really good. And I'm going to tell you what, how, here's how you tell when you got the original guy and when it's the other guy. The little intangibles, mm-hmm. the tip of the head, and stuff like that. He gets that about Michael. He brought that weird kind of reactions that Michael had. Remember when he impaled a guy on the wall in the first movie? Yeah. <laughs> and he, he stepped back, and he kind of tilted his head and kind of looked at Admired him. Admired it yeah, for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, man, look at that. Yeah. He's hanging on the wall with a 13-inch butcher blade through him. I mean, I just, good stuff. Well, it reminds me of one thing that Mark and I have talked about ad nauseum is he can 
look at any actor playing Jason, and as long as it's one of the actors who played in any of the canonical Friday the 13th movies, he can tell you exactly who the actor is, even though he's behind a mask and body language, ba- body language is big. And he said there are certain uh, – he said that the seminal – Friday Thirteenth, Jason Voorhees actor is Kane Hodder. Yeah, and he said you he can is. always tell it's Kane Hodder. Uh, it's just the way that his uh, his body gives life to the character, mm-hmm. whereas some others are more stiff. Others are too w- wooden. Some people bring a certain uh, weight to Jason that he's not supposed to have. He's supposed to ha- be both uh, lumbersome yet uh, um, stealthy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny because for the Friday Thirteenth video game. They got Kane Hodder in to do all the motion capture because, and he had to show them how it was done. It was like, no, like this is when when Jason makes this kill, this is how he would do it. He wouldn't yeah. do it this way, even though it'd, it'd be more economical mm-hmm. or um, easier. Or easier, you know. There's a style and a substance to it. So, I think that's really cool. I had no idea that they got the actual original Michael Myers actor back again. Yes, he is back, and it, and he's right at the very beginning again. He's the first one you'll see. And you don't see his face, do you? No, you don't. Okay. And that's the why, why you know it's the original, because he's got gray hair. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, he's 40 years older now. Right. You know, and he got a little bit of a gray beard and, and whatnot, and he plays the part great. I mean, that's such... A seminal scene in that movie. It's got, that move. That part of that movie is going to live in people's minds. Oh, don't because, spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah, it's just that he's out in the in the courtyard, uh-huh. in know? the trailer. Yeah. yeah, you've seen it with the other guys around him. Yeah, it's like and, a prison or something. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, and all of the other crazies start hooting and hollering and stuff because they Michael know who it just is. Stands there. Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> How'd your creepy. wife like it? Oh, she loved it. Good. Last 20 minutes in the movie, she did not let go of my hand. <laughs> Speaking of which, we did see Venom. Did you like it? We did. I yeah. told you you'd enjoy it. It's, we did. It's, it had enough humor in it that it made it a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I mean, I'll put it this way. I think objectively, comparing it to other movies, I probably wouldn't rank it as high. But no, as, no. as a movie on its own, based on where I think critics' expectations had put it, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like it was anywhere near it. I mean, you, you're looking at critics where you have a bottoming out score of like a 20%. Yeah, that and, was ridiculous. And I just thought, that's a bit of hyperbole. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Somebody didn't like it. No. And we we sat through it. We watched it. We left. We were like, it wasn't as bad as people said it was. Well, it's just like I, when I was going to see Halloween, I had gone to Flickster and was looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes and looking at the early reviews. And the ones that said it was bad said it was nothing but a retread and blah, blah, blah. And I said, these are the people who didn't like the original Halloween. Yeah. You know, they didn't like it at all, and they're making it known that they don't like this one either. So, Well, there's another unpopular opinion going back to uh, the remake of Friday the 13th. I love that movie. I mean, Mark and I both did. And you you look at the critic score, and they're like, this adds nothing new to the franchise, blah, blah, blah. There is nothing new to add to the franchise. <laughs> Correct. He is what he is. Yeah. It's the same with Michael. The thing that I liked about this, they didn't try to change that yeah. in the movie. I mean, he shows up at crazy times like he did in the original movie. You mm-hmm. know, you know, Laura, uh, uh, Laura Stroud and her friends are walking down the sidewalk and you're looking over their shoulder and all of a sudden Michael Myers steps out from behind the hedges. Right. You know, and you're going, ooh, that's really creepy. You know, this guy's, you know, he, he he's a predator. Mm-hmm. He's he's staking his prey here. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. crazy. Yeah, it was a great movie. The original was great. This one's great. I remember women screaming in the theater 
in the first one. Now, that was 40 years ago. People don't typically scream at movies anymore, although they did. The last one I remember them screaming was Lights Out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, did you see that? That no, that was one I did not see. Dude, that's a, it's a it's a good horror movie. I make you make you jump. I'll tell you that. Two movies I distinctly remember were great for horror watching because yeah. it's it's it depends. There are some horror movies where if they if you're fe- if you're feeling it, mm-hmm. the crowd feels it, and it's yeah. like it's like you're on a ride. Almost. That's exactly right. Uh, the two that I can distinctly remember were The Ring yeah. and The Conjuring. Oh, The Conjuring was great. And we were in that theater, and I had the. I kind of had the biggest smile on my face because during the scenes where the crowd was getting creeped out, I was getting creeped out. And uh-huh. so it was a it was a feeling that everyone was sharing. It wasn't one well, of those things it. where it was like one person that's, or two. That's what's important about seeing a movie with people. Yeah. Well, uh, it kind of depends. For example, you know? I normally I hate. I hate going to a movie where people are talking and texting and, you know, on their phone. But when it's a movie where there's thrills no, to I'm be ta- had. I'm talking about when people are going to see the movie, <laughs> all right? They're yeah. into it. You know right. what I'm saying? It, 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 that corporate experience, there's nothing like it. Exactly. You know, when the screen is lit up and it's the only light that's in the theater, it's magical almost. Mm-hmm. I love it. I yeah. mean, that's why I like movies so much. Well, it's rare. Honestly, it, it's... It's rare to capture that. I can only honestly count probably on um, probably on one hand how many movies have honestly riveted me uh, in recent years. And, and I used to be thinking to myself that it was me getting older. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, no, what it is is that movies are weaker. And so it's when, when the filmmakers craft a movie that's really good and actually gets you, they will put you in seats. But... Uh, some of them are few and far in between. So I'm really happy to hear that. Um, I think we're going to watch it either tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. Well, text me and tell me what you thought of it. Sure. Yeah. Because I absolutely. just I just think that the uh, the way the little twists they put it, man, there are a ton mm-hmm. of Easter eggs in this movie. Okay. <laughs> You're going to love it. And, I love and, Easter eggs. And when they bring them up, they act on them. Okay. That's what's <laughs> cool about it. You know, you can do a movie and and you show something in it like maybe maybe in this movie if you had a knife stuck in the wall or something you would go well i know what that refers to <laughs> it's much more upfront and, br- and the movie is brutal is I'll, it? I'll warn you about that so right it deserves now. that r rating yeah, oh yeah okay yeah i mean five people are dead before you get through the first 15 <laughs> minutes i mean that's all that died uh, in the first movie five people yeah it's, it reminds me of Jaws. You know, in the whole movie, I think I think it was the same body count. Probably less than five people died. But they put enough quality into it that the body count doesn't really matter. It's the well, The side overall. stories are even good, too. Yeah. Which they are in this because you've got a, a mother who was trying to prepare her daughter when Michael comes back. Mm-hmm. And that's an underlying secondary story. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. And then you have... The story of the granddaughter who can't understand why her mother and her grandmother really don't get along. Mm -hmm. That's another underlying story. It's really about family more than anything else. Or legacy. Yeah. 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 Well, this is... There's a this is a legacy slasher movie. I'm just tell, you'll understand what I just said when you see the movie. Okay, all right, I can't Dr. Wait. Tim Lim and uh, Dave Ellswick, we're together right now. We got a lot of other people coming. Mitch, all right. So during the break, I'm talking to Dr. Tim Lim, and I'm talking about what made Michael Myers such a the boogeyman. 
I mean, and that's what he's referred to in the movie again as the boogeyman. When um, Jamie Lee Curtis is talking to the two reporters and the guy, she says, well, you don't believe in the boogeyman? He says, no. And, and she says, you should. <laughs> and the way she delivers the line is Jamie Lee Curtis is such a good actress. And she, you know, a lot of people say, you know, Rex Reed said, why is she doing them? piece of trash like this you know and i'm thinking because it's where she started yeah it's a movie that made her essentially as a as a, as a scream scream queen, queen. yeah you know? i mean uh-huh. uh you, you had the the one about the the train uh, what was that one called the one that had david copperfield in it and and whatever that was like the second one that she i mean she was known as a scream queen and she moved on what was she did that movie i think it was with uh, nick nolte mm-hmm. you know that uh she she was known and that she showed her breasts in that one and uh, <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying and she broke broke through that whole thing because a lot of people get stuck in that I mean they never leave those movies ever they're just stuck in them mm-hmm. for know? better or worse yeah I, I mean, mean some, some people of made them a make a great career out of it yeah I mean seriously I mean they've made a great career out of it what's uh, the the lady that was in uh, a lot of the Saw movies you know she made. A lot of money mm-hmm. doing those movies. I mean, you know, torture porn. What can I say? Yeah, it's basically what they were. That's what they're known for. It's what they were, and that's where Eli Roth made his bones. No, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's where he made. That's where he made it because he, uh, you know, hostile. You know, those those movies were not typical pleasant experiences when you went. You went to see. Can I sit through this? <laughs> And stomach and stomach it, it. yeah. You know that's that's why you went and saw them basically. And I got tired of going to the to the Saw movies because the first one is so good. It's fantastic. I mean, it's so, James Wan. That that dude is a maestro with film. He yeah. really, really is. He and, only he has one weakness, and it's a pretty glaring one too. Now Saw is practically perfect because. Uh, he saves the twist, the big twist at yeah, the end. Yeah, boy, and it's a good one. And it's a really good one. But all of his other movies, he he just he kind of fails to stick the landing. And it's yeah. especially with his horror movies. Uh, the Conjuring had a weak ending. Insidious had a weak ending. Uh, he actually directed, I think, two Fast and the Furious movies, and they're okay. I mean, like hey, he did a good Conjuring job. Conjuring two. I haven't seen Conjuring two. Oh, dude, that's really good. I mean, better than the first one. I think so. Okay. He'll, you you got to see it. Okay. It's really good because it, it takes you in one direction and then all of a sudden it snaps you to another direction that you're not expecting. And it's okay. really cool how it S- works. Speaking of which, so uh, since the time that we last talked, Mark Pellegrini did see Hereditary. How did he like he it? He gives it two thumbs up. Yeah, he said it's you a were, great movie. You were spot on with that recommendation. Oh, that's a creepy movie. Yeah. I mean, he, he had more colorful language to describe it. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, it catches you off guard. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's, it, it, the whole story's about a dysfunctional family, but how dysfunctional, they don't let you know until the last 30 minutes of the movie. Well, it's a, he describes it as it's one of those slow burn horror movies, but during oh, the yeah. slow burn, it is so uncomfortable in terms of what's going on. And oh, there, yeah. there's one scene that, he told me specifically, and I'm not going to spoil it for the audience listening, but an, an incident happens, and there's this boy who's traumatized, and he's uh, he comes home, and he's in bed, and the camera just kind of pans out slowly, and you you just see him in bed staring up at the camera, uh-huh. and you see like the time change, 
Yeah. And then the mother finds out what happened and she screams off camera. But that whole time that it's panning up, it's a slow. Because you know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know someone's going to yeah, flip out. I know exactly what he's talking about. But I'm telling you what, what, what set that all up was a stunner. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a part in that movie, something happens that you're just not even mm-hmm. expecting to happen. Well, I know what you, which yeah, one it is. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. <laughs> and I just got to tell you, you know, I don't want to ruin it as well. It's at Redbox now. It is. And in stores, too. Get it. Get yeah. it and watch it. It's a good movie. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you want a lot of action, you got to sit there and you, you've got to put yourself in the place of family members in that. And some family members are going to surprise you because the story is going to take a different turn that I know you think it's going to take. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's a good movie. It really is. Hey, when we come back, I'm going to do a little bit of a, uh, current news. You know about the caravan coming up from Guatemala coming through Mexico. We'll have some insights into that when we come back. All right, back. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with what's going on on the southern border. We're going to get to that in a second. Let me remind you about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Uh, I'm going with uh, RD over at Sonny's and buying uh, a, a you know well-maintained total loss vehicle, Acadia uh, transmission for my car. Get a three-year parts and labor, unlimited mileage, uh, warranty on it. They're going to put it in for me, and uh, I'll tell you, it's going to cost me a little smidgen over two grand. Most other places I've talked to, it's more than a smidgen over three grand to get it done. So I'm saving myself some money, get the work done, get it done well, and uh, he can do the same things for you. I know if you got a car like I do, and you got almost three hundred thousand miles on it. You don't know. You don't want a brand new part. You you go uh, all, you know with a recycled part, and if you got a great warranty like you can get with Sonny's, then there's no reason to take the the shot at it and save yourself fifty percent on cost for the most part, and uh, get that unlimited warranty for three years, uh, unlimited mileage. You just call nine eight two seven four five one nine eight two seventy four fifty one. And uh, they'll talk to you and walk you through the whole process. It's a great one. And uh, you'll be happy with the uh, professionalism of his uh, business. Sonny's Auto Salvage, their number one choice for recycled auto parts. Okay, so we got all these uh, people coming up from Honduras. And they've made their way through Guatemala. And now they they broke down a, a gate. It looked really tough, too, because there was nobody from Mexico around the try to turn them back uh, and they broke down the gate and they're in mexico now making their way towards the uh, united states border and the president is starting to say that he's going to put our active duty military on the border stop them i think that he should we got to put a stop to this we can't you can't let people coming in from another country just wantonly flaunt your your laws not pay any attention to them and spread out all over the United States and you don't have any clue who they are, what their background is, or anything. I'm sure, unless you're a Democrat, you agree with me. If you're a Democrat, you think we should have open borders and we don't we don't have a country anymore. Hey, Sabine uh, uh, Durden is with us. You remember her from Washington, D.C. when I had her on uh, during the time I was at Hold Your Feet to the Fire, 
Uh, Sabine, how are you? Nope. There we so go. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're glad to have you. What do you What do you think about this deal that's going down? Number one, first of all, let me ask this: Have you heard that these people are being paid to do this? Yes, yes, and I, I believe they are. Matter of fact, a friend of mine who really knows his business about this illegal alien stuff uh, said that they are being managed by a guy named Irenio Moica of Pueblo Sin Fronteras. He's a Mexican national living in Minnesota, and he was given permanent resident status. He now organizes the flow of these guys, and he's a self-proclaimed Mexican human rights activist. And he travels to Central America helping thousands of these aliens from Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador to enter our country for a better life. And Soros, the name was thrown out. Somebody's funding this. This is not just uh, a couple of people deciding, oh, let's all go and and, and, and get on the way and go through all these different countries where they could actually get asylum or apply for asylum. No, they, they want to come here and get um, everything for free that we've been paying for. And I heard you say about the Democrats, if they are Democrats that want open borders, yeah. I'd like to know how they would feel if they would leave their front door open and they see about 100 people walking on their property towards their front door. And they want to come in, and they want you to take care of them for the rest of their lives with their anchor babies and everything. All these Democrats would lock their doors, get their guns out, and start shooting. But yet when it comes to our country, it's like, yeah, well, no, we we, we should let these poor people in here because they deserve a better life. Well, they want to vote. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing they get, and then they get the cheap labor. And it's all good, but there there is um, collateral damage. Like Nancy Pelosi said, well, that just comes with it. Well, my son is not collateral damage. My son's life mattered. He was supposed to grow old and take care of me later. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he got killed at 30 years of age because of an illegal and because Obama's catch and release and let's give him everything so they have more incentive to come here. Yeah, I played that part that uh, that audio today from Nancy Pelosi. At the oh. end of it, she says that's just collateral damage. Yeah, right. You know? It don't matter. Unless Sorry, her family and she has a big old wall around her property. Yeah. as far as I know, strange, huh? How that works? Yeah, well, oh, you know, nobody nobody has ever said that she's not a hypocrite because she's one of the biggest hypocrites that that exists she's the top of the hypocrite she's the queen of the hypocrites we got one of your we got one of your friends yeah. here dr tim lim is here hey how's it going hi, sabine tim. <laughs> hi my friend it's so good to hear you you too as well i've been keeping up with your adventures it's great and i'm so glad to hear that we'll be joining each other in uh in december in dc it'll be yes. nice and fun yes at the american priority conference i'm so excited and when I saw your name on the guest list, I, I started jumping up and down. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's good to have friends here in Arkansas, which is my new home now. Yeah, and and, and we've been talking about it as far as like how you've been doing and uh, seeing all your photos of the, you know, you have that little patch of heaven down there, yes. and it, it looks good, and yes. I like seeing you happy. I like seeing uh, your new friend, your new furry friend also. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the little toe biter, toe and ankle biter. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes. Now th- this we is, found th- 
No, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You. No, we found him. He was dumped down the road from us, and we found him. He was eight weeks old and could barely walk, and we didn't think he was going to make it. And he doubled in size, and it's just a big old love bug. So I'm I'm busy with a little toddler. You know? <laughs> okay, now I want to make sure that it's a dog and not a rabbit. It's a dog. <laughs> okay, all right. Because when Tim's here, it's never just, it's sure. always a rabbit. I, yeah. I, have, I have a question for you, Sabina, because yeah. I know that you're you're uh, you definitely have your fingers on the pulse in terms of what is actually going on. Do you feel like the caravan was intentionally designed to pop yes. up now during the midterms? Yes, I, I absolutely believe that, and they know when they start with a hundred that more will follow and. The promises are made. They get paid. There's video of a guy paying all the women. Um, so somebody's putting a lot of money into this to come in here and change the election because I believe the Democrats are very worried because a lot of people are leaving that sorry but party <laughs> in droves, and they, they need to replace him. Um, while, while we've been overrun, and sadly our resources will be drained, that our people deserve. I talked to a guy the other day. He gets $8 in food stamps, $8. An older gentleman who worked all his life. But yet we have illegals that come, and the whole family gets food stamps and welfare and, and everything else handed to them. And I'm just tired, and we can't afford 4000 5000 or even two more. It don't matter how many it is. So what do you think, Sabine? I, I'm all for Trump putting the military on the border yes. to stop them. Yes, absolutely. Shoulder to shoulder, so they won't be, because the little show they put on in Mexico with that little rinketing fence and no, yeah. acting like, yeah, so they can say, oh, we try to stop them. I don't trust them further than I can throw them. But we should have military all along the border. You know, we, we protect other countries on their borders. Why wouldn't we do ours? And make sure they get the message that, no, you will not come in, and yes, we will shoot light bullets. Yeah. There needs to be an end on to it, like you said. This will tell the rest of them, oh, let's just keep doing that. Because they're not really meaning what they're saying. No, we need to mean what we say. Well, Pew did a study two years ago and said 165 million people worldwide want to come to the United States. Yes, of course. We can't absorb you know, 165 million people. No, and not everybody deserves to be here. And I'm kind of a, a little upset because I came the legal way. Mm -hmm. I came from Germany. I stood in line. I filled out paperwork. I couldn't vote. I couldn't collect any welfare. And it was okay because I was not a citizen. I had my resident alien card, and I did it the right way. So why should somebody else skip in line? I don't like anybody skipping the line when I'm at a buffet and I'm hungry. <laughs> don't skip it now. You get punched in the face, you do that. Well, I, I make ugly faces and scare them away. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> well, and, and that's one thing that Sabina and I have in common is that my parents came here legally, right. too. And so immigration for us, it's not yeah. only a hot issue, it's but personal. It, it's personal because we know what yes. it's like. And yes. uh, you, you yeah. ask any person who actually immigrated here legally, did all the paperwork, you go through all of that because there are certain things that you understand about 
yeah. uh, America and what it's worth. And you noted the sacrifice yeah. and the time that you put into it. Um, and it yeah. and it being here is a privilege. It is not. Absolutely. It is not a global right of anyone right. to do. Yes, and that's where I get so tired when people say, "Well, they need they deserve a better life." Okay, so I don't like my house because you know I'm a slob. I don't want to clean up no more. <laughs> it's old. It's dilapidated. So I'm going to walk down the street to the new house, and I'm just going to march in there and have them not just move me in, but pay for me and my family the rest of my life because I don't, you know, I deserve a better life. That's not how it works. And like you said, Dave, we don't know who's coming. You know, the killer of my son had a different idea, different name the first time they caught him, and then they let him go, and, and... Two felonies, two DUIs, one deportation, and he still got to stay. We yeah. don't know what's coming. It's it's unbelievable, and I always get I get tired of listening to. So it's it's yeah. funny because you would think that in order to have this discussion with people, you have to separate illegal immigrants versus legal immigrants, and even yeah. still, you you turn on to CNN or MSNBC, and they still say. Well, the Republican platform and the Trump platform is they just don't like immigrants. And that gets my blood boiling. I mean, it it infuriates me because I'm just thinking to myself, you're not stupid people. You have enough. You have all the information at your fingertips. You are willingly lying to the viewers and to the American public to get political points. And that disgusts me. It is is absolutely disgusting. That's the right word for it, because they try to minimize the the brutality of it all and the cost and it's not just about death like with dominic it's about the cost to our system the schools are overrun the the uh, hospitals are used as doctor offices cuz they get away with it while americans have to wait on a donor list they they just waltz in and and use up all that um everything we taxpayers put in they drain and then I hear, well, they pay taxes. Okay, so they buy some gas and they buy some soda and they pay. Okay, give them, let's say they pay a million dollars in taxes. Well, we pay $15 billion for them to be here. Where in the world does that even sound right to anybody? And I don't even care if you're Democrat or Republican, but just use your common sense. It doesn't make sense. Illegal is still illegal. It's not about race, because illegal is not a race. It's about law and order, and, and I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm tired of the excuses people bring. I'm tired of the attacks that I get daily, or whether it's on Twitter or whatever. It, it's just it's frustrating, and, and my blood pressure gets up there at times. I mean, I'll, I'll be back in touch with you early next week as this comes to a head and get your perspective oh. on it. We got a break Sounds now. Good. We got a break away because we got to take a break to make some money. I appreciate That's you. Good. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you both. All I right. look forward to coming back. Bye. All right. Bye bye now. All right. Sabina Durham. You heard her during Hold Your Feet to the Fire. We got to get a break in. Don't forget there's uh, big changes at Hortons. I was over there today. I was a, a judge of their barbecue uh, contest that they have every year. Had a great time. Great ribs. Great food. Uh, I haven't heard who won yet, but when I find out, I'll let you know. Uh, And they are doing great work on that 12th Street location. It's a state-of-the-art facility now, and so you've got all kinds of things coming in. They're going to be on the show uh, Monday. going to have somebody here to talk about 
uh, the whole area of uh, mastectomy and and how they're helping patients who have lost their breasts because of breast cancer. We'll talk with them about that. We'll talk about what Hortons does. All of that coming up here uh, on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, when we come back, I think Shane Stacks probably be with us. I know Mitch Breitweiser is on his way. Josh should be coming as well. We'll take a break right now here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. Let me remind you about Aero Plumbing. Been my plumbers out of my house uh, for low 14 years. Uh, saved me thousands of dollars, and they keep my above pool, ground pool going. Because this year, I am having somebody come out and close up my pool for me. Every time I try doing it, almost every time, not every time, but almost every time, I do something wrong, and I leave water somewhere in the system, and, of course, it freezes, and then I end up with a cracked pipe somewhere. And, of course, Earl doesn't mind because I end up calling them, and they come out and fix it for me. But uh, Aero Plumbing, people, they call, all right, get a hold of them. All you got to do is go to aeroplumbing.net, and uh, they'll take really good care of you. Or if you can't remember aeroplumbing.net, just go to Google and put in aeroplumbing, and all the contact information will appear magically in front of you. Mitch Breitweiser is here. He is a very, very famous. He's He was always, as far as I was concerned, a famous person. <laughs> Here and well, you were, you know how I treat you. Legendary, Born famous. I mean, should I take and roll up the red carpet from now on? But the bottom line is, is that uh, now things are really coming together for you, my man. Yeah, uh, maybe next time I'm here, I'll you have some big, big news. Yeah, I'm so, hoping. I hope so too. Uh, you know, things are things are things are popping. I'm, I'm just going to tell you what if, what if what happens happens that we think might happen for you. It would be the ultimate. Christmas present. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at you. We'll you're, oh, you're yeah, right, Dave. We'll see. Okay. There's we'll, a lot we'll of work. There's a lot that. of work ahead, but uh, we're going somewhere with well, it. Do me a favor. Hold your hands up for me. Okay. Can you do this? Okay. He can still flex his fingers. He had a, <laughs> he had a lot of pictures to do. I had to have a lot of drawings to Wait, do. Wait. How, how, how many was it? Uh, I, lots i haven't even lost count yeah i'm just working on the pages right now and everything so i haven't even gotten to the drawings yet why did you why did you tell him to hold up two hands he can draw with his left hand too i'm gonna have to learn i thought he could (laughs) i thought he did two at a time yeah yeah i'm gonna have to probably (laughs) such is his legendary status hey so everybody knows we're on facebook live so both of all of you know you look over at the camera right there, a little neat, uh, Mevo there. There it is. And, and wave at him, Mitch, so they know who you are. And that, there, that's Dr. Tim Lim, so you know. And when Shane comes in, I'm not even going to introduce him to you. No, I am. I'm really I'm just kidding. Just just kidding. So what have you been doing? You just putting getting the book together? Uh, get, getting the book together. Uh, I've got a lot of pages to draw. <laughs> okay, I bet you do. And there's more stuff going on, too, so uh, it's just – you know it's not enough hours in the day not enough hours in the day but we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure it out so how's elizabeth doing uh she's good she handling the pressure that's coming on you too because it's got to be coming on her as well i I mean there it's it's good pressure you know yeah it's it's our own still pressure venture and and everything so it's like um 
yeah it's, it's a it's a good kind of pressure so okay how about the cat how's she handling it we shaved the cats <laughs> was that for real yeah that's i for thought real. that was oh, no i didn't know that was your cat i thought it was a picture of like other cats <laughs> no we shaved them why did no. you shave them uh it just uh because i went in for dental and since they're they have to knock them out and we're like well let's just shave them we don't have to deal with hair for like you know a couple of months and then they'll, it'll grow back before it gets too cold no <laughs> I just see pictures of the bald cat. I saw them. I was fixing to say, that's an unfortunate sentence to walk in on and not know what you're talking about. (laughs) Shaved. Okay. All right. So the bottom line is Shane Stacks has made his way in. I don't know where Josh is. He's supposed to be here as well. I don't know if he's Well, now, hold on. I was listening to the car. Mitch walks in. Mitch Breitweiser fanfare, the most famous person. Champagne is exploding. Da, 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 da. Hey, Shane, we don't know where Josh is. Uh-huh. I'll see how it is. That's <laughs> no, the truth. Yeah. Okay, so let me just say this before we take our break. Go see Halloween. You know, I'm not. I know we're going to talk about it after or today, but I'm just not excited about the remake. You must not be a big Halloween I'm fan. I'm a huge Halloween well, fan. Well, then you better go see this movie. He's only a fan of the holiday, not the movie. Oh, no, okay. I love Michael Myers. I this, used to be a big Michael Myers nerd. Well, that's, I used to write see, fan fiction he about was, Michael Myers versus Freddy versus he was good. Jason. You've he was good ruined. in Wayne's World. See, here's the key. You've been ruined by all the sub, you know, satisfactory crap that's been made since the, the second movie. I'm just telling you. I would in in the in the canon now. It would be Halloween, Halloween, Halloween two. That'd be my top three. The rest of them, crap. Even even uh, what's his name's the rock and roller, Rob Zombie. Zombies. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see his either. His his were crap only because they missed the nuances of Michael Myers. They just made him a, just a killer. Anybody can be a killer. Not everybody can be Michael no, he's, Myers. No, he's, he's a person, but he's the, in, the personification of evil. Right. I looked into his eyes. We'll be back. Talk about all this. Mitch Breitweiser's here. Tim Lim's here. Shane Stacks is here. And Josh, where are you? We hope to see him in the can next hour. Can I be hour. famous in, a, in an alternate dimension? I'll be back. There's a Shane Stacks other that's famous somewhere. All right. We've got to get a break here. We'll be back with more. I'm checking here. I don't. Open Josh. Josh is supposed to be heading to Dallas this evening because Dallas Comic Con is oh, okay. this weekend. That guy's all over the But place. he was supposed to be here. Yeah, he was. He just came back from New York. He went to the New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So he said it was great. Said it was good. But he was glad to be leaving New York. <laughs> said he doesn't like New York people. Really? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're jerks. I mean, I've been in New York enough times to know that's not a place I want to live. But neither do I. Grew up in Chicago, and back in the '60s, I wouldn't mind living in Chicago, but not now. Yeah, Mm-mm. No. I did. I did New York Comic Con once, and that was about three years ago. And I still say that's the only con I will not go back to. Were the so people were ugly to you? Yes, very. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They're Easterners. They're see. That's what people don't understand about Trump. He's an Easterner. Yeah, he's an, he's the way very plain Easterners spoken, act yeah. that way. There's, I've got a buddy from Boston that moved down here he lived down here several years and we'd be at restaurants right and all of us would just want to be crawling under the table and he's like what what what's the way he would talk to the to like the wait staff and mm-hmm. and then i guess in boston that's just how you do it you know go get my stuff and hustle that's what you're here for but yeah. you know and uh we were like i mean he was just like 
you know, crazy. He got kicked out of a U-Haul one time for <laughs> arguing with him, and, and I, I don't know. He just, you know, he, and he's just being himself. He's not trying to be a jerk. Yeah, you know, they're just that just way. different cultures. Well, yeah. and at, the thing that really got me at New York Comic Con was this. So I know Mitch and I have this philosophy of customer always being right, and I hold up to that. But it was interesting. It was like being in the Twilight Zone because I think it's because of the fast pace of New York life. Yeah. So how does it work here whenever you go to a supermarket or whether you're browsing or something? You typically will meander for a bit. You don't know quite what you want. There's yeah, kind of this yeah. informal process of you kind of looking and browsing and taking your time. And then finally you, you, the, the pattern goes like this. It's like, I think I'll take that over there. It's like, okay, let me get that for you. Okay, will that be all? Yes. Okay, it'll be X, X Y, and Z. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. When I was working there, it was literally like, I want that now. Here's the money. And if you <laughs> if you take more than like five seconds to get that, they'll literally go like, chop, chop, hurry. Like, what's taking so long? Right. And you're just not used to that because that's not how. No, they didn't say that to you, did they? They did. They several, said chop, chop? Yeah, several times. Well, mm. something along the lines of hurry up. I don't have all day. That, oh, okay. that type of yeah, but speedy I mean, I'm behavior. Just saying. Right. I mean, that's kind of. A chop chop. You know, that's like that. really rude. <laughs> yeah, just dawned uh, yeah. on Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, because he's they a conservative, like so he doesn't think that way. All right. So they, uh, I mean, I think it's just from a soci- sociological, whatever. I mean, when you compress 8 million people, and I, I don't know, there's just something about. It's a faster paced yeah, life, just, is what it yeah, is. So, so I don't well, want. You, you've been to New York, Mitch. You're being awful quiet. I live there. You live there. Are we. Are we on spot about this? I, I don't want to offend my New York customers, but yeah, I wouldn't move. I wouldn't move back, or else you'd have to pay me very, very well. This is a good. This is perfect time for me to ask this. Now that you're going to be expanding out, you really got to kind of pay attention to kind of what you say sometimes. I do. I always have a little bit, but uh, you know, I have to be a little more governed. Okay. Are you saying? Are you saying you put your your lecture mask on so you uh, can't bite anybody? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a muzzle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just unless you have a white it. wine sauce, then, uh, then I'm going <laughs> to get Until you've seen Mitch wearing his rooster mask lit from the bottom yeah. like a okay. lurid horror movie, you haven't lived. I've got that screenshotted. Do you? Oh yeah. Oh cool. <laughs> there you go. I showed him this one at Spirit of Halloween that he should get. It's the one with the movable jaw. Yeah. Yeah, that mask is incredible. We should shoot our own horror totally. film. Totally. The they rooster. Don't, they don't have a bunny one though. I was really mad. Were they? They Where did not they have a bunny. So what do we want to call it? We could call it Hell Hen House. Yeah. Yeah. Hen House Something of Hell. Like that. Yeah. It's not bad. Or uh The Haunting the, of Hen House. There you go. The Haunting of Hen you House. You gotta work foul in there somehow though. Foul. Yeah. Foul. Well you all, you just gotta mention that the demon is here because the air is foul. Foul nest. <laughs> foul nest. Isn't hen it? House of Horror. Um I do I do wanna say though, talking about New Yorkers, uh one of the most inspiring documentaries I've ever seen is out there. It's only like ten or eleven minutes long. And this is where I, I think even because it's, it's from New York, because it's from New York, they're like chop chop, <laughs> chop chop. Not like that, Tim. Just chop yeah. chop. Uh, if you've never seen it, uh, the the nine eleven boat lift is amazing. Where um, you know even New Yorkers who are rude or whatever, when you know push comes to shove, you know they'll come together and, and help people out. It, it's on YouTube. It's narrated by Tom Hanks. And at 9-11, when everything went to heck before they even knew what was going on, like this, it was almost like a, 
What's that flotilla that went across the English Channel to get the British troops out? The, the Armada. Oh, you're talking about Dunkirk. Dunkirk. It's okay. like a little Dunkirk where all these civilians jumped in their boats in um, Manhattan and were helping people leave Manhattan or, or just get you know get, get unstranded, and it's it's really inspiring. Because well, yeah. a lot of people work across the Hudson River, right. and Jersey City, and Hoboken, and all, and so, yeah, Staten I, Island, and all these places. So these people were stuck because all the bridge, all the tunnels were shut down. Yeah, so you got all these guys that are like you know normally like. Yeah, ain't gonna do here. You know, move that. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, you know, hey. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember them walking across Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. That was, that, those were historic photos. And just amazing watching people. Just like watching all these people there. trying to, yeah, I know. All these people oh, are wait, trying wait, to. You live there during 9 11? I was living in um, uh, Cliffside Park, New Jersey, which was right on the uh, Palisades, on top of the Palisades of the Hudson River. And I was on the fourth floor of a fourth story apartment. I had a view of the Twin Towers from my wow. uh, balcony. Well, I don't, don't want to derail Dave's topic <laughs> today. I didn't have today. a balcony. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't rich. That's crazy. And I, I had a yeah. fire escape, too. Yeah. So you sat, You could sit up there and see what happened. I sat up there and happened. watched the smoke trail away wow. all night long, and it was wild. Yeah, yeah I can only imagine because nobody knew exactly what the heck was going down at that time. Well, I got lucky. Well, not lucky, my perspective on 9-11 was better than some others because I was self-employed at the time, so I stayed up late working and I would sleep in. By the time I woke up and got all the messages telling me that World War Three had started and I ran to the TV to turn the – it was all over. Like, no more planes were hitting, so people had an idea that yeah. – you know, I would – I can't imagine what it would be like to watch them, you know, how bad is this going to get. I didn't have to go through that. Yeah, it's like – I can't imagine being – manhattan and look up and watch an airliner crash into a building that would have been like oh this is not a spider-man movie mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying i well, mean speaking of horror movies because you're wanting to talk horror sure. and halloween and everything absolutely today, it's it's interesting uh godzilla is sort of a uh you know they, they talk about a lot of horror and any generation reflects the times sure. it's, it's well, like a the original godzilla was, was about atomic the nuclear, right the dropping the bomb well if you watch cloverfield it's obviously there's so many direct references to what manhattan went through after 9-11 mm-hmm. it's i mean it's just you know it, it couldn't be any clearer. chaotic yeah well even even the uh the dust in the streets and people staggering through that kind of dusty fog covered mm-hmm. in gray ash and all i mean it's it's direct you know and it came out what three or four years after nine eleven. So yeah. yeah, I don't even remember when that movie came out. Yeah, I never thought it was as great as everybody tried. I to liked make it. it. I don't think it was the most amazing movie ever, but I liked the it. The only part I liked is when the the monster ate the camera at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, he looks like <laughs> and this is when the other guy like picks up the camera. Yeah, yeah. this is what it looks like inside yeah. where you don't want to be. So, any movies coming up? Horror movies that are coming up that you're like waiting for i mean i'm waiting for this one about i feel what it's called overlord i'm waiting for that one about the uh, the paratroopers uh during d-day landing behind enemy lines and they mm-hmm. come across the nazi experimental scientists you know workstation i'm kind of looking forward to that but the new pet cemetery there's a new pet cemetery yeah, the reboot of it looks pretty pretty good Oh, I didn't even know they had one. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think uh, who's playing somebody who's playing uh, the Ed, the Ed Gwynn part. Um, 
gosh, can't think of the guy's name right now. I'll look it up. Uh, but uh, yeah, because I always thought he was the creepiest person in the whole movie. You know, mm-hmm. Ed Gwynn, because he he knew what was all going down, basically. You talking what? about Herman Munster? Fred Gwynn, yeah. You talking Fred, about Herman, Herman Munster? I'm sorry, Fred Gwynn. What yeah. was, here's the trivia. What was the kid's name? The little boy. Uh, Demon. Gage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it sounds like he was a he was a little so. he was a little demon. That's what he was. He came back from the dead, and he wasn't nice. That scalpel thing that he did. Yeah. Cutting people's not good. You know. Mm. What was it? There uh, on the back of your foot. What's Achilles tendon. Yeah. 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 Achilles, Achilles tendon. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a movie coming out February 14th called Happy Death Day to You. Yeah, that's the, the, sequel. the sequel. I'm yeah. looking to. I'm going to tell you what. Happy Death Day was good. Was it? It was fun. They really hit that one pretty good. That was. I would say that was equal to Scream when Just it came for, out and how people looked at it and said they took and they changed the genre a little right. bit. They, Scream, they, they changed the genre with that. It was good. Scream was a really good movie because, one, it was a good horror movie in its own right. It but made it was, fun of itself. But it was also very smart and self-aware. Yes. You know, you had the geek who normally would have died listing off the rules of how to survive, you know. Yeah. And, of course, he died in the second one. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, – by the, by the fourth one, though, was it David Arquette and who else was it? Uh, Courtney, Cox. yeah, Courtney. You know, they were like uh, somebody said. That's you know, when like, they were married. Huh? That's yeah, when they back were married. married. Yeah, they, they said something really like, like because David Arquette would always get like stabbed and beat up in every movie, oh, but yeah. not die. Yeah. You know, and uh, somebody by like fourth movie was like, you know, when when are you going to finally die and stay away from me? You know, because you're like a big target or something like that. Now you so, want to talk about some people's? They were riding high after those movies. Trying to skeech, what's his name? Yeah, Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, Ulrich was yeah. was doing well. Uh, yeah, he went on to be Shaggy, the the tall the tall guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I All think right. he was Shaggy, wasn't he? And and he just his career just went to the crapper. Matthew, I mean, I, Matthew Lillard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? You know what? The last nothing. thing he was in, he was in um, some Amazon. Oh, Bosch. He's okay. in he's, he's in Bosch seasons two and three. Was he any good? Yeah, he he's a serious it's a serious role. Like, and he got jacked. Like yeah. he's he's like oh, built. Right, built up. Yeah. He's all swole. Yeah, he's all mm-hmm. swole. So how about I mean I'm the last movie I remember on the big screen I saw him in, he was playing a pitcher. <laughs> he was a pitcher, a baseball pitcher. I forget what the movie was. But man, he has not had a good career mm-hmm. after a couple of years after uh Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, Scooby Doo. So who's that wasn't so was it Skeet Ulrich or was it somebody oh else? Oh my God! Get yourself a chair. Bring there's, it in here. There's Heffy. I don't want to make you sit. You, what you do? Oversleep? No, Heffy. everybody's raining and wrecking out there, and my my iPhone is locked up. It is. Uh oh! It is raining. Oh, is it raining out? Uh, there? It started to right when I got here. So wait a minute. So Skeet Ulrich and who? Who were y'all saying? Matthew Lillard. I'm Lillard. Yeah, yeah, Lillard. I'm looking at IMDb right now. Okay. We'll come back, tell you about what we find yep, when we uh, continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Like that thing. All right. Back with you. Lillard, the movie mm-hmm. I was saying is, you probably saw this, uh, Russ, Trouble with the Curve with Clint Eastwood. Remember that one? No, I actually don't. Yeah, he was, uh, he was out there checking out talent and ba- and for baseball teams and stuff and Oh, trouble with the curve. Yeah, the curve. I'm sorry. I thought you said trouble with Kerr. No, curve. The trouble curve. with the curve. Yes, yeah. I have seen that. Yeah, he's in that. He's a pitcher in that. That's the last movie 
I've ever seen. Now, I will tell you, I just went back and looked at his credits, and out of the last 25 credits, 22 and a half are Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. That's exactly the part he plays. So, so Mitch, how does it feel to not be able to talk anymore? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. That's why you've turned me down so many times coming back on. Uh, no, you know I'm going to walk talk politics. No, no, that's not it at all. I don't, I don't, I don't mind at all. You don't no. mind doing no, that? No, no, no. I don't care. Yeah, I'll, okay. we'll, I'll just. Uh, well, I've always chose my words carefully. I so. mean, you're trying to work that way. You know, I'm just happy for. Is everybody happy for Mitch in here that? They made their their goal. Oh yeah, Are you and the kidding? Same thing with Tim. He made his goal. Yeah. Uh, you know, wanting to launch uh, what he wanted to launch. We're and, all fat and happy. Well, well, I, mean, I won't say you're fat. I'm just saying, but you're happy, and that and that makes me happy to see you no, guys. No, genuinely, genuinely feel, glad for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And now, are you going to do something for you know? You should do a kind of a buy-in for that great show that you've got for your podcast and everything. You should do something for that buy in how what do you mean like you know like sponsor them yeah have people uh you know put money up to make the show a a a very viable national show uh well i do have a a patreon but i haven't pushed it very hard so okay there's a downside to that where if you and and for comic books and stuff like that it's a good fit but you know i right now i can i can have any topic do whatever i want on the show and it's like whatever i'm just following my nose but if you're entirely based on patreon support people will be like hey we're what you know we want this kind of content or whatever mm-hmm. so it, there's a little bit of a so why don't you you know do um you know like they did i mean instead of doing patreon or whatever well crowdfunding is i mean yeah. what i what i'd like what to I'm do talking about what i've been working towards is 50 percent sponsors and then 50 percent patreon that's where i'd like to get to and i'm you know i keep getting closer to that so and i haven't honestly i haven't pushed the patreon that hard but i have you know i do, I do mention it but I don't, I don't wear you know some people just wear that patreon out and you know really bring in the money with patreon and i haven't i haven't really mounted a campaign or anything like that yet okay all right so uh what are you up to uh there my uh my friend josh i'm trying to get your phone uh, well it looks like you got oh, a picture back. finally yeah you got something going okay so we need to talk about something. I want you guys to be part of this conversation. You're leaving tonight for Dallas? Yeah. Okay, when does the Dallas Comic-Con start? Tomorrow? Uh, it started today. It started today. Yeah. You but gonna... I usually go get you know get there on Friday. I usually get there on the weekends. Okay, so you're doing Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. All right. What What are some of the specials that you're working on? Um uh, they keep canceling people, but then they're adding people. So you know how that goes. Well, but that's it's, it's smaller than their then. usual show because it's their fall one. But like, like Matt Smith from Doctor Who dropped. But then they got like Archie and Veronica from uh, Riverdale. Oh, on the so on the Netflix there. thing. Uh, CW. No, is it CW? Mm-hmm. What's the one that's on? Ne- doesn't Netflix have one? Um, yeah, Chilling Tales of Sabrina. Yeah, that's starting. Is that's it, starting. Is yeah. It, mm-hmm. Okay. So the I thought Riverdale was on netflix first no it was on um cable first and then it went to netflix okay because you know the way it was done first it was i thought it was pretty good because nobody was the way that the comic had them mm-hmm. you know archie was like the cool kid 
<laughs> you know, and I, well, I thought Archie was always a cool kid. And then you had, you know, you had Jughead, you know, and Jughead was kind of a, a, a rascal, kind of a creeper <laughs> in the show. You know what I'm saying? It, it really was. Veronica was Veronica. You know, you always thought of Veronica as being the little hottie. You know, no, I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble. All right, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble here. But she was a little hottie, and then uh, then Betty was the girl next door. She was really she was like. You know, Marianne on Gilligan's Island. Mm. She was the one the guys really wanted. You know what I'm saying? Not Ginger. Are you talking about Riverdale or just Archie in general? I'm, I'm just talking Well, I'm talking about the comic and oh, okay. the, the show as well. Yeah. I mean, isn't that... Didn't, didn't they they kind of carried over the way they kind of were in the comic a little bit. I, I, always, I, I think I watched... Betty and Veronica is it's it. like a litmus test on personal taste because it's kind of like it's two different type of girls essentially because you'll talk to some kids and it's like teenagers you know guys who are interested in girls and it's like between betty and veronica who's better and i think you can tell a lot about a person with who they pick well that's the same way it is with gilligan's island yeah (laughs) which is it ginger or or, you know marianne Mm -hmm. you know marianne was like the, the girl next door and ginger was the hot movie star you know that was all about herself, and who? What guy wants that? <laughs> <laughs> so, who are you hoping to get in front of a microphone? I uh, pull that microphone over oh, to you. First, I, sh- I guess I should get it in front of myself. Yeah, uh, there you go. I'm trying to get the site to pull up again. It's going pretty slow because I'm trying to remember who else is there. Uh, I keep wanting to say the chick from this, the chick from that, and the guy from that, and I'm getting, but I'm getting uh, shows mixed up. But um. The one the okay. All right, back here in the studios, we got about twenty five minutes left, and we were talking to Josh about the uh, Comic Con going on in Dallas. So, who are you really hoping to uh, run in this into? I want to see Ray Park in person again. Okay, you know he was he's done so many stunts and movies, and you know, and they finally when he did Star Wars, you know, he didn't really speak in that, but then you know he had he, he was towed in the X Men movies. Okay, so this is this is a different Ray Parker than I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> You're talking about Ray Parker Park. Jr. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, was I thought you wanted to like, get out and dance and sing with the Yeah, guy. there's no Ghostbusters this time. No go- Anything on Halloween since the movie's opening this weekend? I don't weekend? see any bo- anybody down there that's wow, anything related that's to Halloween. Interesting. But I would like to get like Chris Sabat to sign like you know one of my Funko Pops because he's the voice of Vegeta from the Dragon Ball series, and he's also uh, the voice of All Might from My Hero Academia. Now, see, that, is, that's amazing to me. Which was, is huge. I was just trying to lead you into talking about Halloween, and you just totally ignored me. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> it's hard. Right, like right now, it's like I just had this picture up on my phone. Sometimes it's hard to take Halloween serious because after that one with the mask, I mean, to me, the Halloween mask wow. looks like Mariah Carey. Okay, well, I'm, <laughs> it's really, of course, Captain Kirk. But the, the, yeah. the thing is, is that you're going to love the movie, man. Yeah, I'm going to like well, it a lot. That is something I want to know is the. In the new movie, is does the mask look like the William yes. Shatner mask? Okay. Yes, it does. Forty years old, though, it, they've aged it. It's really cool what they've done with. It. I I just think they hit this baby right all the all the right notes, and we got to get the the director on since he's from Arkansas. Oh, Who's the director? I didn't know that. Yeah, Green. Yeah, he's from uh, in here in Arkansas, and it's still hard for me to understand that. McBride, is that his name, the comedian? Danny McBride? Yeah, he wrote, helped write the script. 
Isn't that amazing? Oh, wow. Now, that's crazy. I like that guy. Yeah, he's, he's funny. He's evidently like the the biggest Halloween fan ever. Oh, wow. And he's he, he helped write the script. Wow. So Universal got themselves a, a bona fide series again mm-hmm. because the way it ends, it leaves it really ambiguous. You know, as far that's as good. that goes. Just get us some more good ones going. Well, and that's the key. Can can they uh, do more good ones? I don't know. I mean, the way they did this is, is really good, but there's only so many things you can do, you know, so many different ways you can kill people. And that's what Michael Myers is all about. We've already talked about this. Tim and I have already talked about this, you know. And this one does answer the the – the huge question is Michael Meyer human or is he just all evil? Well in the in the now, original Loomis says that he's evil. Well he's human, but he's he's in the original movies, at least the first couple, he's not like like Jason is this unstoppable supernatural animated zombie force after a couple of movies, right? Mm-hmm. But in the original uh Halloween movies he was human. He's just the definition of an absolute sociopath or psychopath. You just don't. You have no empathy for others. Yeah, and, but he been, he was stabbed. To, you know, with the knitting needle in the eye. He was. I mean, Laurie Stroud did everything she could do except shoot him in the well, head. In the first couple of movies, he was still killable, though. I know he got shot and he fell off the balcony. But, yeah, three but, times. But somebody who's <laughs> who's somebody who's like crazy and angry and focused can still push through that. To, you know, we're talking about movies, though, too, yeah, right? Yeah. But no, they always pretty much said. I mean, but, even but though he was pure evil, a, it's always been a, a, a debatable wh- subject. Where I land on it in the first couple of movies, <laughs> or as John Carpenter intended it, mm-hmm. was that yeah, he's pure evil, but he was still in a human body. Like he wasn't like Jason. Where please you know, go see it and tell me what you think after you see the movie. All right, go see it. Seriously, it's a great movie. It all really right. is good. You'll like it. They in the very first fifteen twenty minutes, there's a kill sequence, and you'll go, I can't believe they went there. Well, is it is it like Fangoria? Because used to it was like how much, what kind of interesting kill can we come up with? Is it like there's that, or is it more that. psychological? There's, a, there's that psychological as well. The whole thing about how he suddenly appears out of nowhere, and he's watching people. He doesn't kill a rabbit, does he? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> So which one does this take place after? Actually? The first one. Oh, first one? Yeah. So it's like... It, 40 like, years later. So like H2O and Halloween Resurrection. Yes, like they never, never happened. Thank God. Because they were terrible movies. I hated all of those movies. And I like this one because you know it's opening today, which is exactly 40 years ago that Halloween opened at the theaters today. 40 years ago. So it's kind of cool that they did it that way as well. So, no Halloween at Dallas Comic Con. Doesn't look like it. Do they do any kind of horror stuff? You know, it's weird as they usually do, but... um, The one I'm going to next week, Heffy, they do. (laughs) (laughs) We have uh, Robert England. He'll be there. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, Boy, he won't be doing those much longer. He is. He could if he wanted to. He's in good shape. Is Uh, he? Yeah, that's going to be our third time seeing him, and he's, um, he's fit. I wish they could bring him back. Yeah, nothing against was it Earl Haley? Was that who had played him? He's great, Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, he's yeah. good too. But I'm, I got to tell you, there's something about Freddie, you know, that's played by 
Robert The England. original guy that yeah. makes him special. Well, it's the fact that uh, his comedic timing is good, whereas in the recent Freddy movie with Jackie Earl Haley, he was not meant to be funny. He was meant to be very terrifying. And so it's it was too, a dark movie. Very it was dark. Creepy. Yeah. Um, so Robert England definitely brings that that level of comedic um, execution to the character. My, no pun my intended. My favorite part about Robert England is the movie he was doing where he was down in the basement and he's walking and he's got you know the knives on the finger and he's scraping them along the the metal bars. That was great stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes me back to when I I gave everybody I brought on the man. Man, you got me <laughs> tempted to go because you know I've got that prototype Freddy Krueger toy. I'm like, it's a little, great that, show. That Nashville. That's, that's the one show that we do every year. It doesn't you know rain, rain or snow? We always do Alamo City Comic. So, it's so great. what's the difference between the early Dallas Comic Con and this one? Uh, this one is you know the connect. Let's like because you know it used to be just the one, and then the Canadians yeah. bought them out. And so in like the spring, it's Fanex. Was it Fan Expo? And in the fall, it's Fan Days. Some, is, what does is that, that right? mean? Uh, it's more. It's just the brand. It's like is it's bigger yeah. in the spring because it's like they do they do several around like they do one in um, Toronto and uh, uh, Orlando. They do MegaCon, but it's it's just kind of smaller than uh, the other one because this one's still in Irving because they had some contract years ago where they still had to do so many in Irving. So they do the other one in, in Dallas at the convention center downtown at the big one, and then this one's a smaller one in Irving, the newer Irving Convention Center. Okay. All right, all right. So you're looking forward to it, yeah? You're, listen, you're going to leave tonight. It's about a five hour drive. You yeah. are driving. You're not hitchhiking or something. No, are no. Are you lift driving while uh, you're on it? I think I'll just do it. I'll just wait and wait until I get there and do it. Okay, make hmm. a make, few extra dollars. Yeah, make me yeah. some convention money. Eat some. Eat, eat a steak instead of just eating burgers. I was about to say. Uh, I, I thought about, you know, trying to see how evil this would be. Because, you know, you don't mix Coke and Pepsi and you don't wear a, you know, Spider-Man underwear with a Batman shirt. It's like, what if, what if for dinner, what if I went and got Whataburger and in and out and took a picture with them like, next to each other? Oh, Heffy, if you do have enough money to burn, I do recommend that you eat at the Spaghetti Warehouse. Yeah. I've heard of that, but I've it's never eaten there, gr- there. No, it's great. It's really close to the convention center. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's fantastic. I have to look it up. Ask, ask him if they'll let you ride the trapeze. Trapeze? Yeah. Okay. I've never done that. I've eaten there every time I've been to Dallas, but I've never done that. You would be good in a tutu in the trap. Thanks. So speaking of Halloween and axe murderers, this is a true story. So there used to be a spaghetti warehouse here. I loved it. In Little Rock. Yeah. And when it closed, they turned it into like a The Clinton Center. No, they turned it into a club. Oh, they did? Yeah, for a while. And it had only been open for like a year or something like that. And there was some crazy night. I guess one night out in the parking lot, some dude went crazy and he was running around with a hatchet. And he like actually hit a dude in the leg with it and everything. This was back in the late 90s, maybe the early 2000s. So there you go. An axe-wielding maniac tied into Spaghetti Warehouse to segue you right back into Halloween, Dave. What do you think about that? I've been talking about it all day today because I – I was telling Tim, I went into it, and the first, the last thing I said before the lights went down, okay, and uh, I leaned over to my wife, and I go, I hope it doesn't suck. Because <laughs> that, that always goes through your head, all right? It would have been all this buildup yeah. about how this is going to be really, really good, and I'm going, man, I hope it just doesn't, you know, bite the big one. I'm right. not, uh, I won't be upset if it, it's that bad. 
and it wasn't. It it in fact it did more than I thought it would do. You'll see the end of the movie. Here's what's cool about the end of the movie. They take a bunch of Easter eggs and throw them at you from the first movie, and then they twist it. Well, here's what I want to know. By the end of the movie, are all of the various pieces of Lori strode around the place? I can't tell you. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Can't tell you that. You're jealous. You're jealous. No. No. (laughs) It's a standoff. Are you ready? In her house. Yeah. With her, well, yeah, the previous make it. She's like, I've been preparing for this my whole her life. Her daughter, yeah, and her granddaughter. Yeah, it's pretty. And and the gonna, rabbit. I, yeah, and the rabbit. I forgot about the rabbit. Yeah, the black hop. Is there really a rabbit? The black hop. The, the best part about the Venom movie is the is the rabbit symbiote. There's a rabbit. Symbiote? <laughs> there is. It's oh, great. <laughs> it's uh, it was a it was a that's a good movie as well. We should talk a little bit about that. Tim didn't want to go see it kind of and i i convinced him he should go spend his his shekels on it he did and he liked it mm-hmm. it's a fun movie it's it a fair, fun yeah. movie it's not shakespeare I, I actually gave it the same rating you did i think you said 71 or 72 yeah and I'd, yeah i'd, I'd yeah, say that's c plus fun. yeah but i gave a c plus now i will expect when they do the sequel because they will do a sequel and a minus and carnage <laughs> is going to be in it it better be an a I'm just saying, if you're, take bringing, an A-. if you're bringing Carnage in, it better be good. So was the Carnage, whatever they teased of the, the Carnage symbiote, no. was it red? There is no, no. Carnage symbiote. No. no, they didn't. They didn't. Okay. It's just no. what, it's what Woody Harrelson says that tells you he's going to be Carnage. What's the other one? There's another It's one. Riot. Riot. Yeah, it's yeah. a main bad guy. Riot is in this one. Mm-hmm. All right, he's in this one. In fact, there's, what, there's several different ones. There's, yeah. Was it that one woman? Yeah, it was a siren or something like that. I forget. It's kind of like the WWE. So it's, I think Scream or Phage. <laughs> Scream, the, the yeah. symbiote that looks like Scream is like red and yellow, and it's the one that possesses the rabbit. <laughs> it's great. That's right. I'm is that you, when man. the movie really gets hopping? That's a, stop it, Shane. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's throwing stuff at me. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible all right i'll go use the bathroom and i'm gonna <laughs> leave you guys in peace i'll be back yeah that's good he'll no. be here all week guys yeah. <laughs> but the- all right let's take a quick break we'll be back <laughs> mitch breitweiser is here but he's he's I'm giving quiet. he's writing he's writing all of uh shane's good lines we'll have more for you <laughs> in a moment here on the dave ellswick show <laughs> dear friends you can hook your wagon on to their star that's Apply at piroofing.com or call them 501-707-3551. We just got a few minutes left, guys. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm pretty looking at Operation Overlord, which is the whole thing from D-Day. I'm, I'm looking forward to this movie. Eli Roth is involved in this, I think. Seems like he's involved. He would be in something that's got kind of a really crazy kind of a storyline like this taking us back to world war ii one of the seminal historic moments when the nazis are doing crazy things and we've all heard the name mengala and all of that and you got these paratroopers that end up behind uh enemy lines are there are there fantastical or supernatural elements added or is it all like the real story but i mean it's part of the real story but then they, they end up in uh uh a scientific 
facility where the Nazis are working on making super soldiers is what it looks like. So it's like it Wolfenstein does. the movie? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Kind of, I guess, would be. That's a good way of putting it. But it looks good. Looks like it's going to be fun. I like monster movies. Yeah. I like monster movies. We don't get enough monsters, you know? Godzilla's a monster. That's that's fun stuff. Did you ever watch The Mummy, the recent one? I thought it was okay. I didn't see it. I was just thinking about the other. I was like, you know what? Because what we did last year, I'm going to do it again this year, is on DVD, we got all the Universal horror movie ones. I'm going to watch them again with, with my wife. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I, I didn't see the remake of The Mummy. So you said it was it's, it's okay. more of an action movie, It's though, more right? of an action movie, yeah. But I got to tell you what. When I think of The Mummy and when I think of Dracula, I think of Christopher Lee. Hammer. Hammer movies. Oh, you don't think of Bela Lugosi? No. He doesn't embody. Jack Palance? You know, no. no. <laughs> the Hammer movies are a lot of Christopher fun. Christopher Lee was the the the, the great dracula he used to put salt water in his eyes oh to make them red to make them Mm. red oh gross and he wore these he wore these contacts that literally he couldn't see Uh and he was known to walk into the cameras when he was doing scenes and stuff but he did he did uh, the mummy in one and he was great in it. it was him and peter cushing him and mm-hmm. Peter Cushing together, that was gold, man. Yeah, that's that's an era. That's a definition I'm, of... I'm I always get this, this word wrong. Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. There you go. I always Zeitgeist. get it wrong. Yeah. They are part of that era. But yeah. uh, Christopher Lee is an amazing... You know he did a heavy metal album yes. when he was like 80-something? Yes. He was a, a crazy guy. He was a real spy, too. Well, he's, and he's he was like no. 80, almost... Not, was he really yes. a real spy? Yes. Wow. He lived a full life. Let's well, just he was put it also he was uh, he was Darth Tyrannus, uh, Count Dooku. That's uh, why he walked Count around Dookie. like this, then, huh? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and and he was also Saruman. And mm-hmm. I mean, right late in his career, two that, major that, major that roles. That didn't even play with you, man. You what didn't what, even what happened? That. What did I do? You said he was Darth who? Tyrann. Oh yeah, yes. so he had little short arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All you had to do was go in a corner, and he couldn't get to you. <laughs> He had that epic battle with Yoda. <laughs> yeah, yeah tried to punch him, couldn't couldn't reach out. You but ever you, see? Uh, you ever see Nosferatu, Shane? Oh, amazing that's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great. I, mean, movie. I think I it's like actually one better they, than the original Dracula. They remade the Werner Herzog yes. movie. That, that was yeah, good. where he was really a vampire. No, that was Shadow of the Vampire. Okay, with, which was uh, good too. And that was good as well. I didn't <laughs> when like he it. bites the head <laughs> off the bat, Mark and likes they're like, it. "Oh, he really gets into method acting." Yeah, yeah. That's a great. Now the original Osferatu is amazing. Well, that's yeah. the original Dracula movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, you know I, mean? I think it's better than and the Bela Lugosi Dracula, and, and and it's a silent movie. Mm-hmm. And it's still creepy. Yeah, and it's still very creepy. He really, really is. I like how he disappears at the end, though. Yeah, a little puff. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> Gone. You have that iconic. There's a scene that's so iconic that it shows up in any montage of those movies. Walking yeah. down the steps, and you just see his shadow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Always got that in there. Josh, drive safely. I know how you drive, so drive safely, okay? You know, how, on, my, on my trips, I actually just save gas. I usually just put it on 65, get in the right lane, and be like, y'all go around me. <laughs> no, I'm saving gas. Grief. But it's only when there's nobody around, but I do well. I got you. Don't forget about Shane Stacks tomorrow afternoon right here, 101.1 1 at 1 o'clock. And uh, he'll play at radio for a while. Mitch Breitweiser will have you back on here in a few weeks, and... Hopefully, you have some fantastic news for us. I hope so. I really hope so for you. I'm, 
Man, I've been, pull, I've been pulling for these guys. i got to tell you, really pulling for them. Same thing with you, Mr. Lem. Uh, we'll get you back on after you've been down to San Antonio and see how things went Everybody down there. Everybody pleasure. see his daily right. Have a drawings. good one. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll be back next week, 2 o'clock. Don't forget, God gave you a whole week of life. Least you can do. Seriously, I'm being real serious right now. Give him at least an hour on Sunday, all right? See what he's got to tell you. I'll see you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.